Hello and welcome to the dispatch that commemorates the 10th anniversary of Watch Out for Fireballs. Thank you all very much for supporting us and for being with us uh, for any amount of time that you have been with us. We love you and appreciate you. Uh, I also wanted to throw in a quick plug. I don't talk about it that often, but I am in a rock and roll band named Modridge, and we just put out our second EP. So if you go to modridge.bandcamp.com, that's M-O-D-R-I-D-G-E.bandcamp.com, you can check out our new EP Euro stuff, and if you really like it, you can get a cassette tape of it. Thanks. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly Q&A, topics, and listener response and game announcement podcast. Yeah, we're this month. Uh, we're going to be answering your questions. We have a topic and we can, I mean, we've already announced what it's going to be. We're going to be talking about the 10th anniversary of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and 10th anniversary of Bloodborne or uh, Dark Souls. <laughs> oh, yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Happens yeah. to be today. Uh, do you remember the 21st of <laughs> September when Dark Souls came out? I, I do. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then, uh, and then reading your responses to September's games, uh, Katana Zero, Sonic 2, and Singularity and, and Dark, Darkest, Darkest Dungeon. Dungeon. There we go. Yes. Yeah. We got the most for that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into it. We want to get a lot of Q's and A's in our 10th anniversary special. Yeah. Oh, fuck around. Yeah, the usual <laughs> kind of garbage we do. <laughs> Two pieces of shit. Uh, Brian Wade uh, says, just want to say congratulations and thanks on 10 years of the network and WAF. Can't believe you all have been in my ears for a full decade. I made lifelong friends through the network and I will cherish the cold trick for all of my days. Here's to 10 more. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much, Brian. Um, yeah. Hey, Gary, can you come thanks. over here for a second? Sure. Yeah. What's the cold trick? I think that is when he tricked you into saying <laughs> Star Wars garbage. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And the, then, yeah. DuckFest 2016 when we broke $10,000 yeah. and he sent and me. He continued to make you tear up over Star Wars novelization. <laughs> he didn't make Because you... you're a tiny joke of a man. <laughs> <laughs> you say I'm a tiny joke of a man? Yeah, this is the meanest thing I could think of for yeah. somebody crying in a Star Wars novel. Um, <laughs> the way the midichlorians uh, infested the uh, harvester. Uh. I did go on uh, uh, Brian's show about uh, the extended universe stuff uh, to cover the novelization of that mm. uh, of that movie uh, because uh, you read that. I uh, listened to the audiobook, Yeah. Wow, that's fine. Wow. Is it was it fine? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, genre fiction, whatever. Uh, kind of, yeah. I uh, I was on that show too to talk about the uh, Christmas special. Oh yeah, which is great. Which has Chewbacca's grandpa and his living room masturbation pat pod. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> and it's one of the funniest things that's ever been because George Lucas, the colossal idiot that he is, decided to not translate the the monsters yelling. Okay. 
there's no subtitles or anything. So most of the special is just like monsters running around a, a <laughs> suburban house yelling at each other. It's <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> it very funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Shout out to uh, Extended Universe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, yes, I, 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 had, I forgot what the coal trick referred to, but that was a fun moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's uh, let's get into some game questions here. Moonborn uh, asks, uh, are there any especially niche or weird video game sound effects uh, that have remained stuck in your head for years and years? Uh, to this day, I still think about the sound of grinding and sparking metal that occurs when you shoot armored body parts and Einhander for the PS1, uh, despite the fact that I've not play seriously played that game in about two decades. Uh, for me, nothing that's unusual. Like, there are sound effects that, that stand out because they're great, mm -hmm. you know? Like the Doom 2 Super Shotgun yeah. sound, things like that. But nothing that's, like, unusual for me. Nice on! Oh, sure. Yeah, I know the nice on. Yeah. I do think about nice on a lot. I do. I do think about nice on. Yeah. Nice uh, birdie. <laughs> Eagle putt. <laughs> Strike. Yeah. The 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 we yeah. the we sports voice uh, uh voice cues uh voice sparks get, get stuck in my head. Uh, I occasionally uh like when I when I start driving. Um, especially mm -hmm. if I haven't turned on my, my, my stereo yet, this is, I will, uh, it's the, this is less of a soundtrack thing, but it is always associated with the beginning of a race in Daytona, USA, the rolling oh, sure. start. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was, yeah. I was thinking you would do like a, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Time. <laughs> you know, also very good. Yeah. It just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just gonna get that. Uh, just be like, that is, that is less music to me. And that is more just just the sound effect for beginning a race in that kind of kind of mediocre mm -hmm. racing game yeah we gotta get a, another racing game onto the show yeah we do um sleepy smiles asks uh, hey guys happy 10th anniversary i googled dark souls level design analysis way back in 2014 and found bonfire side chat i have not been disappointed since you're good critics and solid bros thank you sleepy smiles we're reading congratulations because it's our 10 year anniversary episode yeah we've heard a treat uh, no, uh, they continue. I vibed with Gary nodding silently at characters in FPS games during the Singularity episode and inspired this video game question. What silly expressive shit do you guys uh, like doing when you have limited control of your character responses and no one is watching to react to it? I like doing gestures at bosses and NPCs in the Souls games and ducking looking up at appropriate times in Super Mario World or Sonic. Mario looks down at the Crusher in Iggy Koopa's castle before squishing down onto his hat uh, when it comes to get him. Tails ducks under the animals rushing out of Robotnik's vat chock full of birds and squirrels, uh, <laughs> then stares up at the end of the level stat free screen, uh, level stats and blank confusion. And for me, Gordon Freeman always wrecks Kleiner's teleport experiment by stuffing random crap into it. What kind of harmless uh, play acting do you guys enjoy doing when games allow it? Thanks again and be well. Yeah. Uh, this is referring to me nodding along with my silent protagonist when somebody asks the singularity due to question. <laughs> I'll nod or shake my head with the mouse. Yeah. I'll occasionally do a, uh, just say out loud to Mr. Burns, yes. Um, yes. Yes. I will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is this is less like in game, but I will uh, I will actually just like use if it's a first person game, try to use the first try to use the camera to compose a good shot uh, oh. for what's happening. Mm. You know, mm. I'm just going to go. I'm the, I'm, more... I'm the cameraman. I'm not a character. I, I'm I am a viewer first and for, foremost. So I'm going to use this as expression. Yeah. Nice. 
uh, I like to jump on uh, counters and bars and stuff and mm-hmm. crouch walk like Pee Wee Herman uh, <laughs> to the tequila song. <laughs> like I did that a lot in the Dishonored bar, mm-hmm. like while they're describing to me. You know, things about the regent, regent and stuff. And just little Corvo going, da 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 you know? <laughs> Just put, 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 pointing at your crotch, pointing at your ass, pointing at your crotch, pointing at your ass. Yeah. Yeah. God, that, was, that, was, that was a revelation as a kid. Oh, my He's God. pointing at his dick. <laughs> it's just, good God. What's uh, we doing? <laughs> I need to, like, we, I need to put on a milestone. Just like, if we hit a certain, hit a certain number, we cover Pee-wee's Big Adventure. We we, we got to get to a certain number where we just do movies. Yeah, and but we have to have a show. Yeah, like we have to we have to have a slot because I'm full up. Yeah, but if we uh, get to that point, because there's a couple of movies that we wanted to to throw in there mm-hmm. that are not quite horror movies. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's the primary one for me is uh, composing shots, and then obviously trying to get as high in a room or as low low in a room as I can. Yeah, getting high up is fun. Like yeah. being up on top of the bookshelf while like a character explains to you the end of the world. <laughs> like, no, all that you I want come to... up here. <laughs> I'm the king of this room. Oh, it's like man. a cat that moves. Yep. Uh, James writes, uh, "What's your experience with arcade rhythm games? Any favorites or ones that you wish you got to experience more?" Uh, I like Dance Dance Revolution. Mm-hmm. I think those are fun. I played that in the arcade and then me and my ex-wife got a home pad and did that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, to my mind, that is the, out of the, the ones I've played in an arcade, the one that has worked the best. Yeah. Um, just because it's, it's pretty intuitive and they have to, it's popular. So they take care of it and everything. Um, always very disappointing, like guitar hero oh. or like be manny kind of things where you can't hear the music. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well enough. Um, and then I played a drum one. It wasn't Tycho, but it was another drum one and it was pretty substandard. Mm. So the, the classic is the one that has worked for it best for me, even though I would like to play good versions of, of other ones, I think. Yeah. Uh, Tycho drum master is probably the one that I enjoy, uh, the most never quite got my head around, uh, dance, dance revolution. Um, yeah, I mostly started enjoying rhythm games when they came home. Hmm. Same, same thing for me. Like I played them way more at home. Yes. You know, the, the arcade ports, mm-hmm. but yeah. the, uh, the iOS Tyco is not very good. No, I was really disappointed in that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Like, that sucks. You just, yeah, I, cause like... I, I had such great memories of that. Mm-hmm. It, just, it turns out tapping, tapping doesn't do it. Like you kind of, you kind of need the, the, the physicality. You need the bounce back of the drum. Yeah. Those big, ridiculous drumsticks. I love them. Oh man! Yeah, they're so cheap feeling, <laughs> uh, like a very beautiful way. Yeah. Um, Andrew asks: uh, Certain movies lend themselves incredibly well to a rewatch. Hot Fuzz, for example, is a joy to return to to catch the references and setups that weren't obvious the first time around. Which games are the most interesting to replay? I mean, obvious one: any game that allows multiple different builds, multiple different paths through it. You know? Yeah. I, I tend to do a mechanical thing, like knowing the twist, like mm-hmm. there, there is a, a comorbidity for me in games with a big twist, generally with games that I don't want to replay that much. Yeah. You know, like there's foreshadowing in Bioshock, like that's an exception. I replayed that. Uh, Prey was fun to replay and see all of the foreshadowing mm-hmm. um, for it. But I tend to focus on mechanical uh, replay things. Yeah. And even then I'm not like an immediate go back and replay it kind of guy, you know? Mm. 
wow. there are lots of games that I like. I feel you can you can just kind of it's kind of like is it getting ready to bloom? You can just feel a replay coming through. Like I've been sitting sure. on a Morrowind replay uh, for a while now. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. that doesn't sound that, that sounds Ooh. good, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh baby, Ooh, baby, <laughs> oh, that's what I like. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh yeah I, I i get that feeling as well but i don't know what what it would be i don't necessarily know that it will be the kind of revelatory experience mm-hmm. you know replaying morrowind i would like to but maybe it would maybe it wouldn't be but mm-hmm. i just kind of want to hang out in that world again it's yeah. the reason why uh, i'm so aware of never being able to you know see all the content in the world is because i also like revisiting shit mm-hmm. you know yeah. So if I if I were to replay Morrowind, that's like forty hours. You know, that's like three other games. Yeah. That I'm just not gonna get a chance to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh sad. Yeah. Uh let's see. Popo Fashosho says, uh, now that you've completed the big four SNES JRPGs for the show, Final Fantasy two and three, slash four and six, uh Super Mario RPG and Chrono Trigger. Uh, would you say these are worth playing if you have never played them before? Um, I don't. So personally for me, I don't think Super Mario RPG holds up, mm-hmm. but that's out of these. I think the rest of them, if you like the genre, the rest of them are all good games. Like there's, there's a ranking definitely in my head of ones I think held up better than others. But the only yeah. one I think straight up doesn't hold up is Super Mario RPG. Like it's got a fun battle system, but the story is very slight and I think it's ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else I think is probably worth checking out. And if you like how Super Mario RPG looks, go nuts. Like part of it for me <laughs> is just the fact that it's hard to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go, go, go nuts. Music's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I think that like, uh, if I was, if I was saying like, all right, you know, if you came of age, you know, during the PlayStation era and Final Fantasy seven VII or eight, like any of those, like say you are not averse to talkie games uh, with random encounters, then I would say like Final Fantasy six would probably be the one I would prioritize with Chrono Trigger kind of coming up in kind of a moderate, moderate second place. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. I think that if you grew up in that era and you like love Final Fantasy VII, you'd find a lot to like about Final Fantasy VI. Yes, uh, quite a bit. <laughs> but yeah, none of, none of them are like. I don't think Super Mario RPG is a horrible game. I don't think mm-hmm. any of them are horrible games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and when I, and for me, and this is a personal Gary caveat, not speaking for the show or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's if you're just like you like video games in general. Like, let's say you grew up in the PlayStation Two era, mm-hmm. and you you've not you're not really accustomed to the genre i think it would be hard to go back to like random encounters yeah or or experience them for the first time basically mm-hmm. yeah in in 2021 so this is uh for me that that recommendation comes with being okay with the the signifiers of the genre yeah yeah um and yeah. if you were if you weren't okay with those then chrono trigger would uh kind of edge up to the front i think chrono trigger is an, is an amazing first rpg yeah, they do. It does a better job with that uh, incredibly flawed idea <laughs> yeah. than the other games do. Yeah. Um, uh, Popo Foshosho also asks, uh, do you guys have games you'd recommend to your friends as genre entry points? I enjoy playing genres in a sort of release order, but I don't think I'd recommend Ultima Underworld as somebody's first immersive sim. Uh, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Nana, don't do that. No, no. Uh, maybe, maybe Human Revolution as uh, first yeah. immersive sim nowadays, if somebody was yeah. uh, was getting started with it. That or Dishonored. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, yeah I, I like I would need if if I had an example genre, I could probably say so. Like, we'll get I, people into survival horror. What would get people into Ballywick? Yeah, um, uh, Resident Evil Two remake. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good answer. I would say yeah. that or seven. Yeah, like both both would be really good mm-hmm. entries. Yeah, that eight I think is actually plays a little bit more friendly than seven mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but it requires so much like franchise affection. To yes. Get, everything out of it i think yeah yeah so seven seven works as a reboot uh even though it is kind of a stealth stealth continuity kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah definitely depends on the uh the genre mm-hmm. i think if i were getting uh trying to get somebody into uh retro shooters i think dusk is a better place to start than like doom 2 yeah yeah um you know and moving backwards mm-hmm. like i don't necessarily think it's a better game but i think it is a better place to start what about um what about crpgs uh, that's a tough one Mm-hmm. Because there, it depends on what what you're going for. Um, if somebody is into tactics games, mm-hmm. uh, then I think that DOS two is a good slide. Yeah, and you're start you're starting at a high point, but it's also it plays not that dissimilarly from a tactics game. And then if somebody is coming from a narrative uh, focus game, I'd probably say Disco Elysium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, easier to play than Torment. I don't necessarily like it better, but it's mm-hmm. easier to play than Torment. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it gets you a very intuitive way to handle stats as well. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, um, it, it it lays out the dice rolls in a way that makes it uh, like that that it's part of the experience of playing it, as opposed to something that is kind of hidden hidden in a big text uh, text scroll like a console console readout yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And it's one of the best games of all time, of course. So yeah. once you get through it, you've played one of the best games of all time. Yeah. <laughs> you know. God, that's so good. Yeah. It's super good. I, I've got a replay of that in me as well. I well, yeah, because of the, the content. Because of the director's cut stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin writes, uh, lengthy one, and maybe better suited to bonfire side chat, but here it goes. I have heard people, I've heard people getting upset at the term souls likes, um, and make the comparison to doom clones as an, as a similarly outdated term. If bonfire side chat had started in 1994 and had been about doom instead of dark souls, then eight years into the show's run, you'd be covering games like Duke 3d half-life and halo. Uh, all games by different developers, which evol- evolved the genre uh, forward and which were at the time more popular than Doom was. Instead, eight years later, uh, the best games covered on Bonfire Side Chat have been from games, uh, either made before Dark Souls or as sequels to it, and they have been 2D games uh, with very different gameplay and similar themes like Hollow Knight. Uh, everything else has been kind of crap. Uh, I think that's why the term souls likes persists. So eight years later, how do you guys feel about the term souls like, and what, uh, what would you name your podcast about doom and doom clones? Um, and like rip and tear or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get mad at the term. I think it's silly. Yeah. To get mad at it because everybody knows what you mean when you say it. So I don't, I don't like it. Language prescriptivism. Yeah. Um, at all. Uh, and it is true that like doom birthed like Wolfenstein 3d, like birthed uh, a genre that actually went in a bunch of different creative ways, uh, directions because mm-hmm. a first person game has, is a wider possibility space than like a dark souls. Like, yeah, you know, um, dark souls likes do tend to either like hue too close or barely, fit mm-hmm. Good. so uh yeah i know i started this with a useful term in some ways it's not a useful term uh it yeah 
I, it's, it's hard for me to care that much. I know that's not a satisfying answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't have very strong feelings about it one way or another, I guess. It's yeah. mixed. It's, it's a, a land of contrast. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a useful term, and, and I'll keep using it as long as it's a useful term. I think the only reason we moved away, away from Doom clones as, as a description um, is because Half-Life came out and was such a singular kind of like cultural moment for video games. You know, like everybody, mm. there was just a, a broad consensus uh, maybe because the, the the environment was less fractured back then, who knows? But like that was the time when I when I absolutely stopped hearing uh, 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 Doom Clone uh, being bandied about. Like not even Quake could, uh, could could break that, you know, and and bring it or bring it around to first person shooters because that was that well, was Quake, by by id, right? <laughs> yeah. well, Quake plays a lot like Doom, yeah. You know, and Half Life Half Life doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of ways. And it was really, you know, the way that people could get upset about it if they were, if they got upset about that kind of thing would be that calling them Doom clones, you know, using that up until Half-Life discounted a lot of games that were doing a lot of cool things that different than Doom, mm-hmm. you know, like you end up with things like your like Hexens and Heretics and stuff, which introduce fantasy elements and like an item economy. Yeah. To, to things like that. And then like, uh, you know, Duke 3D, I think plays very differently than Doom based on it being real environments and having immersive sim kind of mm-hmm. DNA yeah. to it. Um, you know, but still just were called Doom likes yeah. or Doom clones. Uh, yeah. I cannot get mad about this because uh, it's 25 year old video game stuff, but mm-hmm. it is, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of similar in that way. Like yeah. something, so maybe souls, like something will come along to cement the genre. We just haven't had anything good enough yet. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think it would be harder. I think it would be harder for something to kind of redefine that because we don't have the uh, kind of the, the, the unity, you know, the, the, the unity of press or kind of the unity of culture uh, that we had mm-hmm. back when that back when that change kind of happened. I mean, we've never gotten away from Metroidvania. You know, people call them Explorer Mops or, you know, uh, second person exploration or stuff like that. But like, mm, no, I mean, for a long time yeah. after after uh, uh, the Symphony of the Night, the people who made the best, <laughs> the best versions of those games, were, it was Konami in the Castlevania series. Right. Um, yeah. And no matter how many, you know, wonderful and revelatory Metroidvania style games we get from indie, indie developers, you know, we're, we're like we are nowhere closer to having an agreed upon term and so i do not have any problem saying metroidvania again because everybody understands it i don't feel like it hems it in because you know you know you know you know what modern stuff i'm referring to if i say hey this is a new metroidvania style game yeah agreed yeah yeah uh this this is me or you this, this is, is you. me uh sam bear a long time uh, fan and friend of the show mm-hmm. says uh, any games that you feel like you tried way too late and couldn't get into because of that. For an example, from my personal experience, despite generally liking team Ninja, I didn't get around to trying Ninja Gaiden, the Xbox reboot until the recent HD release. And unfortunately got annoyed with the game by the second level and enough to stop playing it completely. Yeah. That second level is a real problem, <laughs> especially uh, the boss yeah, with the nunchucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I realized I don't like team Ninja. Mm-hmm. I don't want Team Ninja's stees. I don't it's, think they do a good job at what they do. The best team, guys. the best Team Ninja game was was from making Ninja Blade. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. I should try Ninja Blade because yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't really like those Ninja Gaiden games when I tried to get into them, like when they came out. Mm-hmm. Fucked up Ultimate Alliance. Uh, I don't care for Neo. Like I don't like those dudes' games. Yeah, um, I don't like their approach to character action. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, 
th- this this is actually my answer for this is going to be similar to the answer to the next one. So I'm just going to read off uh, Maya's question. Uh, what are some games you think were far too advanced in scope for ideas at the time that they came out and you would want to see remade with unlimited assets and budget? Uh, my answer for both of these is really similar, which is um, uh, Daggerfall. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. came to Daggerfall way too late. The aesthetics and uh, kind of engine really hard to get over the way that game is presented uh, and some of like the stilted things that you do. And I think it'd be interesting to see that kind of proc gen uh, handled today. Yeah, I um I don't know. I don't have a great answer for the first one, but my uh, cop out quick answer uh, to it. Um, I was a little late to the party to um, uh, Chronicles of Riddick. Mm hmm. Like after oh, I came yeah. to that because it had the reputation, you know, Yeah, that's a bad way to come and there's into a little that one. bit of like, so what, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I played it, but I didn't entirely get it. Eyes glow. So what? Yeah. 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 I did not, did not know what was a big deal. Um, and then in terms of things that were super advanced, um, these are, you know, real road answer kind of things, but like Spore mm-hmm. seemed like it was going to be super cool. Uh, and then wasn't. Yeah, you know, then just just fam- famously or infamously take your pick. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that would have been and like that's a dream waff game for me. It's just too hard to get running. Yeah, um, but I would love to talk about that game because it was such a fucking weird cultural. Mm-hmm. You know, I bought the collector's edition of it for like ten dollars. <laughs> you know, two months after it came out. Yeah, I like, like that. It's such, it's such a flop. I it was like you know that was one of the first like videos that i downloaded and just watched over and over again was like a recording of the g the the gdc talk of will Wright like revealing the spore mm-hmm. and it's just oh my gosh going over and over that just wow infinite yeah. possibilities and now, now <laughs> whenever somebody yeah. promises you infinite possibilities that is when they're you lying. uh yeah they're, they're lying to you <laughs> yeah they're lying oh um yeah uh darren says uh, two options, pick one. Um, I'm going to do both because yeah. it's the 10th anniversary. Uh, if I had a say, what would I like to see as an expansion uh, for the Darkest Dungeon? For Darkest Dungeon, and what are the hopes for the sequel? Mm-hmm. Um, expansion, like I'm always just like, what is the Lovecraftian trope that hasn't been explored? Mm-hmm. You know, in a in a zone, um, maybe there's like a Martens mansion. Yeah, I was thinking you know, Martens crawl on the outskirts or something. Yeah, for 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 me, it would be uh, mountains of madness. You know, an Arctic. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, Arctic kind of uh, kind of biome, or maybe well, I think a... that's what's happening in part with the sequel. Oh really? Cool. I think so. Uh, yeah, I have not, uh, but just in looking at promotional stuff, I've been limiting my intake. Same. No, but I think that there is an icy expedition element mm-hmm. to it. Um, so that would be the expansion, and then hopes for the sequel. Um. Everything I know about the sequel is that it's going to be like basically an entirely different genre, like a totally different game. Mm-hmm. Um, so my hopes are just that it's an equally compelling game, yeah. even if it's its own thing. Like the idea of a five hour roguelike is really interesting. We don't have a five hour run kind of built into the fabric of video games, like campaigns of first person shooters sometimes, <laughs> you know, and, and indie games, but the five hour game that is er- iterative like it's usually an hour or less you know but something i can play over and over but it maybe takes me two sittings to play yeah is interesting and it, there might be a reason why they don't do that mm-hmm. you know that might be really unsatisfying but i'm willing to, to give it a shot yeah i am too uh my hopes yeah. for it are i mean honestly kind of high uh coming off of darkest yeah. dungeon as it is i'm kind of i'm curious curious about getting in on the ground floor of this bad boy 
Yeah. I started uh, last night before bed. I started my, my Stygian run to see if I can do it. Mm. Uh, it's hard. I, I, I imagine <laughs> yeah, it, Radiant's hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, instantly way harder. So. Oh, man. Uh, Jonathan writes, how does this sound? A city builder game, but it's designed for making fantasy or sci-fi-ass cities. I'm talking about fantastical landscapes uh, like Floating Islands or just a cool collective of cyberpunk arcologies. Uh, Are there games that you'd like to see that uh, don't break any molds, uh, but just do something um, existing in a new flavor? Uh, Shit, Hmm. I'd be down with arcology designer. Um, that yeah. sounds cool to me and no, the Sim city 2013 expansion wasn't, uh, you know, that didn't, that didn't do it for me. <laughs> yeah, big, big Sim tower elements. Yeah. I, I had, um, hope for that kind of thing. I always thought that like in my dream world where Shadowrun is as big a franchise as like star Wars, mm-hmm. there's a arcology builder that's specifically run Raku and you do, you deal with the AI thing like that all the shit that happened to Renraku with the ai like yeah. gaining sentience and creating human machine hybrids and shit <laughs> while people are alive like all that dark shit and like again my dream no one would ever buy it it's not a sellable game would be that it would be a little bit like glitter mitten grove mm-hmm. like you would play it and it would just seem like an arcology uh manager and then the ai working against you would be a slow reveal oh uh, that you wouldn't find out until all of a sudden you're doing like, you know, uh, contacting, like crafting missives to the outside world to send shadow runners in to fight the AI that controls your arcology <laughs> and shit. It's just like real subtle um, at first, like uh, little commands yeah. that you, uh, that, that you enter are undone or like maybe there's a facility over here being built that you didn't order it to. Yep. Yeah. And you don't, you just have to notice it. Like you build three facilities and it builds an extra <laughs> one, things like that. Just a, just a few more like heavily augmented people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, showing up. Yeah. Like I, I don't remember putting that cyberware on that person. Uh, oh, yep. <laughs> they seem to be acting in, in unison. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. If you are, or next time you're doing a shadow run, like source book read the run Racco arcology shutdown mm-hmm. thing is great. Like that yeah. is a great little piece of horror sci-fi. Nice. Uh, in game book form i just wish our source didn't uh didn't go away i know you know i found that if i google the name of a book plus pdf i tend to get it yeah i also get uh, a bunch of shitty so, ads so <laughs> yeah that, that can happen as well but yeah. I've, I've had pretty good luck so far nice so uh maybe one more game and then move on yeah yeah that makes sense um andy says uh, you have almost certainly talked about this in the past but what are some of your earliest gaming memories for whatever it's worth mine are probably being four or five years old uh, circa 1985 and watching my older brother play empire strikes back on atari 2600 in my parents bedroom yeah atari in the bedroom mm. all right <laughs> um i my earliest memories are playing atari uh with my family in aurora illinois uh playing et and joust mm. Nice. So, probably also around 1985. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, it's watching my brother play uh, Super Mario Brothers, Super Basic or whatever. Like my fondest early gaming memory is when my dad uh, got us the Super Nintendo. It was like just uh, like a surprise. We were going over uh, for a weekend. Um, we were going to be staying like with him at my cousin's house. And just like we just rolled by a store and picked up a uh, picked up. Uh, the 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 super nintendo and Star Fox and just remember playing hmm. uh remember playing uh dang old uh super mario world very good time nice yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh. so 
Shall, shall we move on to life? We shall. Uh, we shall. Uh, Greg says, when I was 14, an aunt who I was close to gave me some advice, which has always stuck with me. Try to make sure you have friends who work in the following three fields, law, police, and politics. Uh, they will help you so much in life. I have two of the three covered, still working on that po- getting that politician in my back pocket. Uh, and uh, she has indeed been correct in that it's been very helpful. Uh, were either of you given advice when you were young uh, that was designed to be life important or life changing? Uh, if so, uh, what was it? Uh, did you follow it? And how has it worked out? Uh, do you have a good answer for this? I, I mean, it was it was like less, you know, an adage that somebody gave me and more just like generally things that were kind of hammered in, which is like, you know, uh, the, the, the the times I remember being punished the most were uh, for when I lied as a as, as a kid, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that just kind of uh, st- stuck with me. And then also generally just, yeah, there are no shortcuts. Uh, there's just no, there's no way around working hard sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't think I have uh, one I can think of. I did not get a lot of advice. Yeah, uh, as a kid, mm-hmm. so it's it's hard for me to. I'm sure it happened, but it's hard for me to pick up. Yeah, uh, a piece of advice mm-hmm. uh, out of my memory. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas says, how do you guys feel about bringing food onto airplanes? I'm not talking about Pringles. I'm talking Big Macs and Subway sandwiches. Is it rude to force everyone around you to smell what you're bringing in? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Do not bring a scented food. Connections are short. There's nothing you can do yep. about that. Um, yep. You know, I just there's I don't really think that there's an excuse to bring uh, to bring a medium pizza uh, onto a plane. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you, you, the, the, there are plenty of options at newsstands, bags of nuts, trail mix, dried fruit, uh, candy mm-hmm. bars, uh, anything just really. Hold you over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In general, like I've had people straight up like bring uh fast food from non-terminal restaurants like <laughs> they crumbled up a bag of arby's and put it in their bag how did you get and that like, through security <laughs> security doesn't mind an arby's you can <laughs> you can pack a, a roast beef apparently uh <laughs> this detector says you have the meats step out of line sir uh, the uh but yeah and it's just like man arby's ah like there are things i'm fine smelling if i can just walk by them mm-hmm. you know but being stuck in a gigantic flying fart tube full of arby's mm-hmm like that's no that's no bueno i I just like uh, leave the tortugas alone that is no good so i i think it is rude yes yeah yeah it just uh, there's so many other options i have infinite sympathy for being at the airport sucks but like i don't Mm -hmm. know stinky food takes a while to get there are lots of options you had yeah yeah Yeah. uh let's see james asks you guys are the proud proprietors of a new bar the duck pond uh, what drinks would you stock it with? Uh, I'm taking this idea from another podcast, uh, but on uh, on that, the guests choose two drinks on draft, uh, two bottles and two spirits, and one wild card drink. Non-alcoholic drinks uh, are welcome, of course. Hmm. That's tricky. Yeah. Um, so I can't, I, I would want there to be uh, served coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I like coffee and I like mixing, you know, coffee with, with a little booze every once in a while, mm-hmm. uh, like Spanish coffee. So that might be my, my wild card drink might be that, uh, that Spanish coffee or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, I don't know, like some, like I, I really like a ghost owl, uh, bourbon. 
Okay. It's like a local place. It's very good. Um, there is, uh, you know, and then something like another nice bourbon. If I'm just choos- choosing two spirits, mm-hmm. like I'm going to stick, uh, stick with that. <laughs> and then on draft, you know, like I like to have a nice dunkel and then probably like a, a fruity, hazy IPA. Yeah. Uh, and then two bottles that cover two other bases, <laughs> like a, a, a basic lager kind of thing for people who just want to drink a watery beer to have something to drink. And then like maybe a, like a dark beer, like a Guinness or something. Yeah. Mine would be pretty similar to yours. Like I could list off a bunch of my favorite drinks, but like, um, I, I cannot get around to the idea of like, uh, you know, I could put, I could put like two, two Rheingeist, you know, Cincinnati brewery beers on there, but like, there's a pretty strong, like strong flavor wise, or do you like a dogfish head? And that's not like, do you, do you want, do you want to please people? You know, part of uh, opening a bar is making people happy, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And also, I wouldn't want it to be too expensive, so I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. it's it's tough. Nothing fancy. No, uh, no, no, no airs. No airs at my duck pond. No. You know, maybe no. maybe we go up to uh, you we, know, you to, know, we to, we both own the same bar in this. We do. Yeah. We are the proprietors of the same bar. So if you don't want airs and I want airs, we're gonna have words. We're gonna throw hands. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think you. I don't think you had any airs, but like, no, you know, I don't you, want airs either. <laughs> You could you could have uh you know you could have I, I like bourbon but I would not want to own a bourbon bar I like scotch or you know uh, Irish whiskey but like I I I'd never really go that much fancier personally than like Tullamordu or Bushmills or whatever you know so like would be it's kind of there's a there's a prickishness to yeah. a fancy bourbon bourbon bar that neither either both of us would want to avoid yeah yeah I just uh <laughs> just moderately priced duck pond that's us. Yeah. yeah, we want to be closer to the bar that that Tim goes to in the roommates episode of uh, Bedtime Stories. <laughs> I Not would the just bar make, that you would run. Basically, I just I just want to I I just want to run uh, just Callahan's. Honestly, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, what, oh yeah, man, that'd be great. Just you just have beer. Yeah, it's not even named. <laughs> it's just it's just it's just it's just beer. Be a bit beer yeah, and whiskey it comes out of a tap. <laughs> yeah, like a homey place. <laughs> Um, is this me? I think this is you. Uh, Douglas says, seeing as this is the 10th anniversary episode, I thought some childhood reminiscing might be in order. Do you have any funny stories about when you were a kid that sends shivers down your spine today? For example, when I was very young, we went to the Toronto Zoo on a school trip, and I wandered away from the group pretty much as soon as we got there. They didn't find me until hours later. It was getting dark. I have no memory of what I did in that time, though. I'm sure it was awesome. But when I think of what could have happened, the color drains from my face and adrenaline surges. The teacher was crying when she found me and hugged me rather tightly. I still remember the pained relief on her scrunched up face, though I forget her name. She's very tragic. Details. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, again, like nothing, uh, you know, not, not trying to think anything too traumatic. Yeah. Uh, you know, for this. Um, childhood memories that send that are funny now mm-hmm. and were not funny then, or were funny then and not funny now. Um, I don't know. I, I I mean maybe I th- I, th- I think either of them. Uh, there was the time we went to was it Epcot or was it MGM? It was something. Uh, I think I was like in it was between first and second grade, and uh, uh, I got separated from my family as a show was letting out. I think it was like an Aladdin stage show or something, and uh, uh, I I got trampled by a bunch of people oh, oh. yeah <laughs> just, oh. just like run down i got lost but i got lost in the crowd and uh, fell over 
and oh. yeah and I you think know, you told me that before I just forgot about your trampling yeah it's and it's it's funny uh because like yeah you know, my, 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 my family my family found me and you know the, the 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 Disney or MGM whoever whoever ran it they're like oh my gosh this is unacceptable our crowd control you know should have been better etc why don't we give you some you know passes you know free passes for a day or so uh, and my stepdad sold those passes and bought a Planet Hollywood jacket, but it was leather. <laughs> so, <laughs> yay! Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Had leather sleeves, Gary, so it's good. It's yeah, fine. That's extremely good. <laughs> I think you you have the rights to that Planet Hollywood jacket. I do. <laughs> yeah, I think you should make a claim. You're yeah. a rightful heir. <laughs> it was my trauma. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, dudes rock. <laughs> dudes do <laughs> rock. <laughs> dudes rock. Uh, my my uh, little kid memories around that time are all a haze. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time when I was an early teen, my aunt and uncle uh, took me and my cousin and my cousin's friend to a Star Trek convention. Okay. And uh, on the way there, I was sitting, we were three in the back seat. And because I was an early teen, I was so terrified that my knee would touch my cousin's friend's knee. Uh-oh. That I, uh, for the entire, like, you know, several hour car ride, held my knee. <laughs> uh, away from his um and then had like horrible like cramps for the whole day uh mm. because i was so scared that if her knees touched he would like think i was gay or beat me up or some shit yeah uh so all you know they don't they're not fun funny to me or anything they're just me being stupid yeah yeah <laughs> you know, you know? <laughs> uh, being incredibly dumb oh man so, uh yeah yeah uh joseph says uh, I recently watched the first season of Invincible on, this is media questions, mm-hmm. of Invincible on Amazon Prime. Have either of you guys seen the show or read the comic series? Uh, I read the first few trades of the comic, uh, and it's kind of when I started realizing I don't really like Robert Kirkman. I just liked The Walking Dead for yeah. the beginning of it. Everything I've read that he's done since then I've not liked very much, uh, so it did not really grab me. I've only read the first few. Even you know, I read up to the twist, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, not past that. Yeah. Uh, I've consumed neither. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Sorry. I just did not to no sell it. Uh, uh, John, uh, asks, uh, I just finished James Wan's malignant. Uh, I was expecting a typical conjuring movie, but halfway through, uh, the movie, it has a twist that takes it in a completely different and ridiculous direction without giving out any spoilers. I really enjoyed it. Uh, my question for you guys, what is your favorite movie with a twist at the end? Um, before we, we say that, so I've never watched a conjuring movie. Mm-hmm. And I heard they were good. You know, I don't think I realized that they were the the birthplace of the evil doll. Everyone uh, is crazy about who's An- not the boy. Annabelle. <laughs> Annabelle. Yeah. You only observe um, one evil doll. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a strict, uh, strict mono dollist. Um, so uh, me and my girlfriend are hanging out. And we wanted to watch something spooky. So we're like, I've heard good things about the Conjuring. Let's watch the Conjuring. Uh, we could not stop laughing at the opening of that movie. Okay. Enough to take it seriously at all and had to tap out. I cannot believe that movie is the one that everyone is saying is incredibly good. Have you seen The Conjuring, Cole? No, no. At the beginning of it, there's like three roommates who are sitting there. They're talking to two like demon hunters. <laughs> and the roommate says, they're just like, you know, we 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 believe in in spirits and everything. We met this ghost and, you know, we're, we're nurses and we want everyone to have a good life. So we invited this ghost to live in the doll. Oh, <laughs> my God. Say it like it's nothing. Uh-huh. And then the two guys are like, 
the, the, well, there's you know, your problem. How this, <laughs> it's, it's very, well, there's your problem. But you think that's going to be the problem. And they explain how the doll turned evil and stuff. And the demon hunters are like, you, it's, first of all, there's no such thing as Annabelle. It wasn't a ghost. It was a demon that tricked you into thinking it was a ghost. Uh, and everyone is just saying this shit declaratively with no credulence whatsoever. <laughs> And I was losing my mind. Like it's, the opening line is like, "We invited the ghost to live in the doll," or something like that. That, that, that it feels is so dumb. It, it feels weirdly like, it, like they're writing the horror movie version of a contract. It is so declared <laughs> that the parties uh, here to here here to for referred as the nurses, party A. <laughs> just kind of like just making it absolutely clear: these are the these are the pieces, these are the players. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the move that this they is what's made. Happening. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I we're we're nurses, so we want good things for everyone. Understand? <laughs> See, uh, yeah, I, I, I lost I'm, it. I'm X, so I have motivation Y, and therefore uh, Z yeah. happens. <laughs> therefore, I did Z. Oh, it's not Z. It's actually uh, you know Omega, hmm. the evil demon. I uh, but I, I we ended up watching like presumably a way worse movie instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that was I have not watched Malignant. I heard that it's awesome. Yeah, I've heard good um, things. I really want to watch Malignant. So um uh, that's on hbo right that's just a that's just on, yeah, on my machine so. yeah um and then uh favorite twist at the end of uh movie is probably for me the prestige mm-hmm. uh, i love that movie and i love that twist yeah um i like the uh the way things mist? uh yeah yeah the the, the mist is a huge one <laughs> that's, I, uh, that's I, really big. I was just trying to predict what you're gonna say no no uh re- re- resolution oh yeah, yeah. that's a great it's a great twist Yep. Uh, um, yeah, let's do some show yeah. questions uh, ap- appropriate for the uh, for the tenth anniversary. Uh, Nick asks, uh, "I'm a teacher, and I am kicking off the school year with a podcast centric English unit. Uh, I'm obviously a fan of the medium, but my students and I would love some advice or words of wisdom uh, from some veterans of the medium. Uh, also, I miss hearing your cats in the background. Any chance we'll hear from them again, or have they been banished by the superior audio tech?" Uh, I'm surprised you can't occasionally hear Pocket. <laughs> it seems like he is, you know, he runs around yelling every once in a while. He's just been slightly better behaved. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and neither of my two cats are very, uh, very vocal. The most that you're going to get happens on the level because I record that uh, at, at like at the time when they're getting their zoomies on, you know, and mm-hmm. they start like either scratching at walls or if I have a box anywhere uh, they get inside of it and start like ripping at it, but mm-hmm. it's never meows. It's mostly like, uh, like scratches, uh, that you hear. And yes, yeah. they have a scratching pole in every fucking room of this house. Of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, cats don't go in for that kind of shit. Nope. Um, advice for a podcast centric English unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I know advice for like making a podcast and I listen to podcasts, but ones for like an English unit are tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, that makes me think of like podcasts that are fictionalized yes. yeah, written podcasts, which like there's several of those I've listened to that are pretty good. Like old gods of Appalachia is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's, I don't listen to tons of fictional podcasts. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, like a lot of my advice would be, um, like if somebody was setting out for the long haul, if this is for a unit in a class, it ends up being a little bit more, you know, like me saying like, show up, 
well, yeah, you're show up and make your thing because you're going to be graded on it, but you're only going to be doing it for 12 weeks or whatever. So it's yeah. not necessarily that, uh, that, that, that big of a deal. Uh, I would say, uh, kind of, kind of be genuine, you know, make it about something that you really like and, uh, do your absolute best, uh, just to, just to bring yourself to it. Don't like try to mimic or be somebody else. Yeah. That, yeah. And yeah, that, and that, that's in the, the, I would include that in like the general suite of like making a show things like yeah. 100% find an individual voice, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be yourself. And then, uh, you know, like you said, consistency. Yep. Super important. Yeah. Agreed. You know. And, uh, you know, if you are, if you're making this, uh, in a class, I don't see what, uh, what, what, you know, what level of school this is, but like, I don't know when you're a student, it doesn't feel that way, but you've got so much free time. <laughs> yeah um and uh get weird with it you know experiment oh yeah you, 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 now's you, the time to do it yeah you, you you use that time to like work out a class and uh make cool shit yeah yeah don't uh don't just put your head down and stare during study hall yeah like if i just had a dedicated 45 minute period during the day to like draw or write mm-hmm. and i couldn't do anything else yeah today be still my fucking heart I, I mean, you know? the, so, so the trick is ingratiate yourself with the staff well enough that when study hall comes around, you can just go and do what you want. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had a study hall, like any study hall that I had, it was just like, hey, can I just go hang out in the AV lab? And I was like, yeah. And I just went and edited stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, I just went and, you know, I wasn't even like taking that class, but I like edited stuff for the, uh, for the, uh, like the school news show kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you were still doing things with the the remit of the class, like you weren't getting one over on them. Yeah, you're just broadening the uh, the definition. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yep. Uh, Drew asks, uh, now that you're more than a decade in, and I've talked about hundreds of games. Congratulations, by the way. I'm curious as to what you think makes for the best type of WAF. Is there a certain genre or specific characteristics that lend themselves particularly well to interesting discussion? Or more specifically, what game, fictional or otherwise, would make the platonic ideal episode of WAF? As an example, is it an unmitigated success that uh, refines longstanding design traditions to perfection, or is it an interesting failure that tries something uh, genuinely new but can't quite tie it all together, or is it something else entirely? This is a good question. Yeah. Yeah, what makes the good WAF game? <laughs> Survival horror games. No, <laughs> we, we, we we do like those. We do a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. that like that. I, I mean, I'm I'm joking about that because I just like playing those kinds of games in general. But like that feels like the like the proper for our approach. It is the proper uh, mix of mechanics and story. You know, mm-hmm. for us to really dig in um yeah survival horror games and games where the final encounter uh inexplicably includes a mechanical bird that emerges from a golden egg uh sure, and attacks it, and kills all the bad guys uh don't know don't care yeah. okay. <laughs> as long as it's a metaphor for like chemical warfare or something i'm, I'm down yeah, yeah. Uh, or a yeah, giraffe have taken over bird. a town <laughs> yeah i i would go as far as to say things like that do tend to make uh, at least the episodes I feel most fondly about mm-hmm. are games that are good, but nonetheless have something entirely wild and dumb Yeah, in them. That's very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the mechanical bird uh, <laughs> or uh, self-surgery, the ultimate challenge for any doctor. <laughs> <laughs> what was 
I, so I, I, I know that uh, Mechanical Bird was the last express. What was it? What specifically was self surgery? Uh, trauma, trauma center. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, something like that. Like that will just kind of put a like a tickle in my shoe uh-huh. for the entire walk. You know, like I'm just like <laughs> that line's coming. You know. Uh, and then I agree that like a mix is, is really good. I'm also very, uh, part of it is because I, I like doing them, but I am, I really love our winter shit. Yeah. Um, like those Witcher three episodes are really good. Those Morrowind mm-hmm. episodes are really good. I think when we get into a big, long, uh, RPG jag, mm-hmm. um, I think that we do really good work. Yeah. Like, I think those Dragon Age 2 episodes are really good. Like, it's hard for me to think of a winter Western RPG we've done where I think we, like, phoned it in and it kind of sucked. Yeah. You know, I think we've generally done really good work with that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, there are ones that I've, like, enjoyed doing, but they are departures from the regular format. I loved our Atari Mm -hmm. episode. I loved the Tetris episode. Um, Mm -hmm. Recently, like, roguelikes. What's that? Golf. Golf. Yeah, yeah. The golf those, games episode. those format breaking ones are, are good but i think that that is that that is hard to repeat you know yeah kind of by definition so and in general like you know every once in a while someone will be like oh you you know you can't couldn't really do a waff about that and then i always want to be like well yeah we can yeah like it might end up being a weirdo one mm-hmm. but i still like trying yeah you know uh we're gonna record about echo in a little bit that's gonna be a weird one uh, <laughs> vr missions the game yeah uh, they're just uh just you're around assets and waist high walls mm-hmm. for the entire game. They got a cool skin on them, but mm-hmm. boy. <laughs> um, so just, uh, just, and we got something coming up that a patron just demanded. That'll be a real weird format breaker, mm-hmm. you know, but something like the witness was also like a weird format. And I liked how that went. Yeah. You know, you know, and so, uh, like the first rogue, like we covered and that was pretty tough, but now we've got like a rough form formula for it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, any of those can become a new, like a new kind of thing that we do. Yeah. 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 I'm, uh, I, I, am very happy to spread our wings Yeah, stuff personally. Um, is this you? I think this is me. Let's do one more show question and then, um, yeah. and then, uh, do lightning round and then get into the anniversary discussion. Uh, Let's do <laughs> Eli writes, Hey guys, I've been listening to some old walls lately and I've just got to ask the question that's on everybody's mind. When are you planning to go back and add in some, I think you should leave references to old episodes. You guys missed a lot of really great opportunities over the first 10 years of the show. You called Gerald, um, a beefcake, uh, but then we didn't get a carve of beef, no buff boys and not even troll boy. Yeah. Troll boys, envoys, envoys, <laughs> troll boys. You, 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 you know, you know why you can't be it, right? Troll boy. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you're not it, envoy. You know, you're, you're not. Um, it would be a very fun, uh, tedious process for us to do to torture a couple of specific listeners. Yes. Who do not like? I think you should leave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, but now that I know so that as long there as are they people, stay sweet. We won't do it. <laughs> It's the sort of Damocles hanging <laughs> over their head. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I, it is. I have been uh, showing I think you should leave uh, to to uh, my lady because I want to be able to make references to them. Right. And I want her to understand if I say, like, what a crop, that I'm not just being a weirdo. <laughs> like, you know, somebody brings out some fries and like, what a crop. Yeah. That's a crop. Uh, you know, I just want to be able to speak the language. Yeah. You want to so, be able to say, I don't want to be around anymore without them getting really, really concerned. Scared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I got too much shit on me. What, what do you mean by that? 
Yeah. You, you know now. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, lightning round. Uh, Cinder Elf, what is your favorite? Who is your favorite Spider-Man villain? Uh, so I mean, the 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 obvious answer would be Doctor Octopus, but uh, I don't want to do the obvious one, so I'm going to say the Lizard. Ooh, interesting, yeah. Kirk Connors. I, I just I, yeah. I, I, I I I he was <laughs> I'll tell you he was the villain of a of like the '90s Spider-Man cartoon that I had a uh, mm-hmm. had a tape of. Like I just had a tape of oh. that episode and watched it over and over again. I think he's cool. I think it's a good story. And like, I've not really yeah, like read like any runs with him, but like I, you know, have read the wikis and stuff and think, yeah, that's like a neat, a, a neat, good idea for a, for a villain. Yeah. Tragic. Lizard's, Lizard's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is an, an off ball one because I used to hate him, uh, but I'm going to say Venom. Mm. Uh, and now I like Venom because he's so fucking stupid, largely because of the absolutely transcendently great movies. <laughs> Uh, that's right. I'm assuming the second one is well, yeah. uh, because the first one is so fucking funny <laughs> and just Venom just being this big evil. <laughs> like, I just think Venom's very funny now. Yeah. So go Venom. It just it, how, what, what an improbable treat that we're getting a second one. I God, and, and just like absolute scenery chewing Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. for the entire time. Like it's going to be incredible. Yeah. And it, it is just about, uh, you know, Tom Hardy's weird roommate relationship <laughs> with this absolute, like, head-eating demon like the number of just uh craniums he devours mm-hmm. and then they cut over to he turns back into uh into to tom hardy and tom hardy kind of does the gym from the office face <laughs> in that first it's so good it's so like, sweaty it's so amazing. many craniums yeah like you're so, God, that movie is good your number one source for sweaty tom hardy's <laughs> yeah it's, it's so so incredible oh man uh, uh yeah uh, let's see here. Uh, Charlotte asks, favorite video game character of all time? Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, all time is hard, but uh, somebody who has loomed large is Kim Kitsuragi. Yeah, Kim is really hard to fuck with. Yeah. Kim Kim or Harry. Yeah. Like, I was thinking the other day, because I you know, had that birthday, I was thinking about, like, the moment where he finds his driver's license and realizes he's only 50. Mm-hmm. And how, like, that part in the game, like, made me messed up real good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, God, there's so still sweet. time. Oh yeah, there's still time. Like God, it's so sweet. Mm, yeah, what a good, what a good I, character. I mean, not to be like cliche, I've got that guy goosebumps thinking about that. Yeah, a wonder, wonderful moment. Yeah, um, you know, so uh, that that's those are both really good answers. And then like I love J.C. Denton for for memeiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.C. Denton is very hard to fuck with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the supercut on YouTube of J.C. Denton's uh, best lines <laughs> is a consistent watch. Because uh, it's so everything is delivered the same way. So when he's yelling about punks like JoJo, and it sounds genuinely badass, it's pretty good. <laughs> Fucking JoJo. Uh, David says, uh, "If you were a darkest dungeon hero, what would you be, and what would your skill set be?" Uh, the podcaster class is not super strong. I mean, less useful than antiquarian for sure. Yeah, needs a buff. <laughs> um, Little buff podcasters, pieces of podcasters, bodies of men. <laughs> no, bodies of podcasters. <laughs> Just pieces of podcasters, bodies of podcasters. Um, I do not know. Um, uh, what the skill would be? I, I mean, just the like, like from the existing ones, probably man at arms. So myself as a support guy, you know. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh. Yeah, I didn't think about uh, as an existing one, so I'm still going to go with the uh, largely useless podcaster class. Yes, yeah. 
Um, let's see here. Question Queers asks, favorite era of Rush? I, I like Rush, but I don't know that I like Rush enough to have a favorite era. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I, I like particular songs, you know? Uh, but, like, going and looking, I would say, like, late 70s. Like, ending at Moving Pictures in 81, because that has, like, the songs everybody, everybody knows on it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I can, like, name favorite rush song closer to the heart favorite live rush performance russian rio obviously yeah mm. but uh but yeah my oh, my, my favorite synthy what was that sorry before they got real synthy oh yeah yeah and they, they have like a cheesy 80s period mm-hmm. as well uh my favorite rush album is 2112 which i just now found out is in the mid 70s yes um so that's probably my f- favorite era, but I'm not super, super deep on Rush. Like I like Rush. I'm always happy when Rush comes on, but I, and I listen to that album from time to time. Yeah. But not super deep. <laughs> uh, Simon uh, says, congratulations on 10 years. Thank you both for everything on the network. I'm a recent patron. Hundreds of hours of WAF and Bonfireside Chat have been a real balm throughout the pandemic. My question, your favorite Bowie albums or song or track? You can choose question mark exclamation point mm-hmm. uh simon's favorites depending on the day are scary monsters station to station or black star uh casting my vote for a bowie podcast someday um i would yeah, be I, real lost in a bowie podcast it would be a lot of me trying to get you into bowie mm-hmm. uh you know um those are those are very similar to my favorites i I love Black Star, but I don't like it quite as much. But Scary Monsters and Station to Station, both mm-hmm. excellent. Scary Monsters is my favorite David Bowie album, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but actually by quite a bit. Um, up there with like Lodger, uh, my second favorite. Um, and then uh, favorite song, um, you know, from that record, uh, probably I really like Scream Like a Baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, that song is excellent. Uh, yeah, those are those are good good boy things and i would love to do a bowie podcast um even if it wasn't with cole not because i want to cheat on you mm-hmm. but just because you know i want to find a, another enthusiast and wouldn't want to make you read like a biography of somebody you don't care that much yeah about. yeah I, I i'm a bowie well-wisher insofar as i don't wish him any specific harm um yeah we, <laughs> hey you didn't wish him that one specific harm did you <laughs> no no not that one okay, i'm gonna God. have to look somebody else uh look for somebody else on that one no Me I, and i'm on we're gonna have to <laughs> roll you <laughs> I you know I'm I'm more of a like a like a Bowie's greatest hits listener uh kind of guy. Uh so yeah. that's yeah, then and, and that's that that's fine. Um but uh like the album of his that I have like listened to the most probably like front to back is Black Star just cuz that came mm-hmm. out and I really enjoyed the singles off of that. And uh mm-hmm. yeah, like the the whole thing having that elegiac kind of aura uh it is a, a good creepy kind of cohesive thing front to back to me. Uh, yeah, I dig the vibe. Record. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's good. Yeah, uh, just sad that he's think, not around. Think about how uh, think about how lucky you are to go out on something that is considered to be like well, like widely considered, widely considered to be that good and adventurous. You know? Yeah, yeah, really, really cool not to just kind of you know fade out. Mm-hmm. Uh, really bummed that I never saw Bowie. Yeah, the uh, yeah, uh, my my number one like missed him. Yeah, uh, kind of artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about doing the show. Yeah, this is uh, this is weird and hard because I don't I mean, we don't usually celebrate things like we specifically mm-hmm. we celebrated the first anniversary and then just kind of kept going. Yeah, because <laughs> celebrating is not doing the work. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, if, if there's an option above all the things to do, guess what's going to get done? The work. 
Yeah, that, that's kind kind of how we how we work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about I was going to put together a bunch of questions for this and then didn't. Uh, there's no story to that. I just kind of didn't. Yeah. Uh, but I have some of the things uh, in in mind still. Yeah. Uh, that would be a good a good thing. Uh, what do you think is something? Uh, and I can answer these too. I'm not just going to interview you <laughs> for this thing. Uh, what is something that you think that we do uh, better? than we did and what is something that you think that uh we do not do better that is like roughly the same or something that we still need to work on yeah um i mean the the there are obvious things that we uh that that, that we do better uh you know sound mm-hmm. uh things like that i think that our rapport has uh gotten better naturally uh if it if it hadn't there would be something really wrong <laughs> it'd be real weird <laughs> it'd be real weird if things were always as oh, uh, uh Sure. Uh, should I go or uh, oh, yeah. you know, oh, oh, yeah. nonstop? Yeah. Yeah. And, and just as our, as our understanding of each other and, you know, just kind of, just kind of being able to uh, kind of set each other up for our points, I think is, is real good. It's a real uh, mm-hmm. kind of like passing the ball back and forth kind of thing. That is, uh, that, that, that is, I think hugely important to the, to the way our shows, uh, to the way our shows work. Um, yeah, I think that just like in, in, in general as well, developing the shared vocabulary, that is something that has gotten, gotten better. And I think really sharpened our critical eye. Um, I, I also think that that is, that has maybe pushed certain people away as we've gotten strong, more strongly expressed, like that can be read as kind of un, uh, unnecessary negativity when it is not necessarily intended to be that way. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think that that, 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 that is something that kind of cuts both ways, but I think that we're like, you know, more insightful now, even if just by brute force from having covered hundreds and hundreds of games front to back over the course of, over the course of a decade, it's all stuff that would just be weird if we didn't, you know, things that yeah. we haven't gotten that much better about, like there are filler words and things like that, but like we've decided that that's not really a problem. People will like leave reviews and say, oh, there's too many ums or ahs or what have you. But that is, you know, something that could be worked on, but it's not the sound we're looking for. So uh, it, it is, I think, better for us to have our thought process represented than to like present something that is like the second draft of a, of a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that was an intentional choice on our part. Yeah. You know, for sure. Um, the main thing that I think that way that I've gotten better is that since the show started, I'm seven inches taller now mm. than I was before. And it shows <laughs> no sign of stopping. It's super weird. Like I a mean, lot of the sounds you hear in the background are actually my bones creaking. It's not. It's like pretty. Or anything like that. Uh, like, it's pretty painful. I, I cut out a lot of moaning. And I say, yeah. oh, God, the femur again. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it happens one bone at a time, mm-hmm. which is a real problem. Yeah, you know, because I'm all like walking, like like look, li- you're limping. It's like no, I yeah. do this podcast and that's <laughs> taller than the other one. <laughs> no, Patreon.com/slash/DuckFeedTV. <laughs> For the love of God, <laughs> stop limping. giving! You can't get out of the house. <laughs> yeah. uh, in in seriousness, uh, the things you said, mm-hmm. I agree with. Um, comfort. Yep. On Mike uh, has allowed, I think, is the number the two big factors that allow us to put out a lot of content are uh, editing with markers and then being able to just kind of get going and not overthink it too much. Yeah. Um, 
part of the reason, you know, this is a peek behind the curtain kind of thing, and some people, this won't be to everyone's taste, uh, but part of the reason why we've moved away from having as many guests on the show is because it is just so much more comfortable, at least for, I you know, don't know if I can speak for you, mm-hmm. but for me, just to sit down and know I'm talking to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, if there's somebody else in the room, like, even if there's somebody who I really like, mm-hmm. there is a degree of discomfort that is added to it. Agreed. Yeah. There is, it's the most natural thing in the world just to sit down and jaw about about games with you yeah um i think that's helped a lot Mm -hmm. uh and then the thing that i think that we have not gotten better at or gotten better at but not as well at is i think that you and i both still need to get better at having an appropriate attitude towards uh criticism and feedback yeah i was thinking about it when we were recording that orb and like seeing how the 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 boys the venture brother boys do it where they're like yeah people are mad about this and they're just kind of laugh about it (laughs) you know Whereas like, you know, somebody will say something mean to one of us now and it can like legitimately affect my mood, which is not something I'm proud of. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's a weird job to have a situation where strangers are going to say mean things to you online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to disclose, like I understand as a white dude uh, who is cis and straight, um, I'm not getting nearly as bad as it could be. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- th- that is the experience for people, marginalized folks online, even when they don't do a show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, the reality of my situation is that I still have to deal with it. You know, you know, regardless of whether it is as bad as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I like I have been and I, I say I want to work on it, but it's also a thing where like I've been working on it for you know years and years and years and it hasn't <laughs> yeah. gotten better. Like it's still still effects. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it only gets to me if somebody's like unnecessarily mean at this point, you know? Yeah. Uh, just uh, if it is if it is worded in a way that is like meant, you know, meant, meant to be cruel. Uh, it's definitely gotten better, but not, you know, not better enough. I would agree. I would agree with you with that. And also, like, you know, as my mental health uh, has, has evolved and changed and I've grown to understand more, like being unable to process like criticism or rejection is a is, is a thing that is a symptom of things that I have. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's 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 weird. Not an excuse, but yeah. like an explanation for like, oh, that probably explains why that is that has not come as easy to me as I as I had hoped it would be, you know, which I, makes this yeah. a weird job to have. <laughs> I, I wouldn't take, take that away from you, but I also think that there's a degree of that that like from the outside, it's very easy to be like, oh, I would just shake that off. Who cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's very different when you're actually in it. Yes. You know, it is a surreal thing to have an insult thrown at you unbidden. Mm hmm you know, from somebody you don't know and you don't know what it's about. Yeah. You know? So regardless of any kind of like mental health thing, I think that's very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Something, something to work on. Yeah. Um, do you have any big, uh, big regrets of the show? Like anything that you <sighs> wish had gone differently? Like how does, uh, how does the show, uh, as it is now compare to how you may have envisioned it? Uh, or how you may have wanted it. I mean, the show as it exists now, I'm so happy with it. Uh, I, I, I never, you know, I never had expectations for it beyond it being a fun thing to do. And every, every decision that we've made, you know, has been, has been for us. And, you mm-hmm. know, like, yeah, there, there are decisions that, you know, like, oh, yeah, but this this will put butts on the heat and the seats. If we do this one versus this uh, cover, this game versus this game or cover this now versus cover this later, like there are decisions there. But like big ones, you know, it's really hard to have regrets when every decision that you've made feels justified because of the results. Right. Yeah. 
you know? So like, yeah. I, I don't necessarily have that many, like, would it be cool to be bigger? Eh, yeah. But also like, I'm comfortable. I, we're I, great. I, yeah. yeah. We're doing great. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it would, it would be cool, but then also like, I cannot even begin to compl- complain. No. Yeah. You know? And you know, just uh, the, and, the, and that's the thing keep doing the work and history has shown like you just, just wait, it'll, it'll, it'll grow little by little. Yeah. Just it's a patience, it's, you know? Yeah. And it's, it doesn't work that way for everybody. And I'm really happy it's worked out for us. Yes. Because we, a lot of the decisions that we make, like in terms of stress points or agony, uh, that Cole and I have, mm-hmm. um, the high end of the scale are like community management slack things. Mm-hmm the low end of the scale are network direction things in terms of stress. Like we take that stuff seriously, but a lot of times we're like, what about this? And we're like, yeah, let's, yeah, I was thinking that too. Let's do this. And like, mm-hmm. how about it this way? Okay. And then we do it and it works out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we, we stress a lot about all the times we have changed the format of the show or done changes with the networks. Uh, but it's worked out and we've stressed less and less. Yeah. You know? So like the, to me, the remaining friction points are things like, you know, just like, Oh man, somebody's acting out in the slack what do we do yeah and that'll ruin a day mm-hmm. you know like it's like an entire day of like <laughs> right. just going back and forth yeah. and then sometimes we will spend all this time and then it'll, it'll just go away yeah yeah it's so dumb <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. but in terms of like network decisions and stuff that that's been very rewarding and is not uh you know i agree mm-hmm. like it has just generally been uh very, been very encouraged yeah and like i mean things that are like disappointments or bummers like i don't know it sucks that the, the that the pandemic had stopped us from going places i i yeah, really that, i really that hope that 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 gets fixed i don't see it happening soon but you know but like that's out of our control and it's kind of it, it is not productive to, to to dwell on it you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i uh i agree like mm-hmm. I would like to come, I would like to do live shows again. Yeah. You know, um, very much so. Uh, what about, uh, yeah, do you got any other, do you got any well, prompt things well, for this? I, I mean, I, I, I put it to you. I mean, just like for, 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 for your expectations, like, you know, I think we started, we, we started the show and for the first couple of years we were, you know, this, this was, you know, I don't even know what my goal was besides just to do the show and have fun. So like, like how does it, how is the show lined up with your expectations? I I think that in my head, the original idea that I had for it was something closer to like an audio magazine, which mm-hmm. is something closer to what the level does now. Yeah. Um, but as like a deep dive into an individual game with more like interview style content or what have you. Yeah with that kind of thing. And that was biting off more than, than I could chew. Um, you know, so I'm glad that, you know, it didn't, didn't work out that way. Yeah. Uh, cause if, you know, that might be cool, but if we were trapped into that right now, we would put out a lot less stuff, mm-hmm. um, a lot slower, uh, the, um, you know, and in terms of expectations, I also had very, very low expectations. Like I remember, um, us doing it and then numbers coming back and being like better than other stuff that we were doing. Mm-hmm at the time uh and that just being like a very pleasant surprise yeah Uh, and and not really basing any expectations off of that because a lifetime of motions to everything has trained me to to have low expectations for things mm -hmm. so when it worked out and you know we're able to do this full time that was very surprising yes uh, and and good to me yeah Uh, i feel i feel like i won some kind of lottery uh somewhere yeah yeah Mm -hmm. agreed 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I look around like all kinds of things in my life and think that, and it's a really fun feeling, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just sitting there like two cats are on my bed, just looking at me, not doing anything. Yeah. Like, what did I do to deserve you? <laughs> How did I get two cats alike mm. in dignity? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, how did, how did I do to deserve this? <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. good feeling. It's a, it's a, it's an incredibly good feeling, you know? And, yeah. uh, like, I don't know. My imposter syndrome has not necessarily been a, been really been a thing for a while about it. You know, I feel comfortable yeah. in it. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I've given up on that yeah. stuff too. That is something that is, has definitely been a change and it's just like, it just took 10 years, mm-hmm. but just, just 10 years of, of success and that'll do it. Uh, but I no longer have that feeling of like, you know, I don't belong here. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I realize that, you know, th- that idea is fake Yeah, in a lot of ways. Like you're belong, you belong in a place because you do it. Yes. And again, this is not uh, recognizing the privilege. Like that is not true for people who are given abused or are a part of a marginalized community mm-hmm. in a general sense under circumstances I'm familiar with, you know, through yes. all the caveats on there. Uh, it is, you know, you belong because you took the action to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not really that big of a difference. Like when people, you know, talk about uh, advice or saying like, Hey, how do you, how do you do this? Uh, and we, you and I both have the entire time have just been like, Oh, just do it. Yeah. Like do the thing. Um, and that's, that's what, that's what it's a self-selecting club. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily like we were extremely lucky. It does not mean that you will become very lucky. Uh, but you know, we didn't, we didn't do anything mm-hmm. to, to get this other than be consistent yeah, and kind of grow and, and be lucky <laughs> and buy us something awful out at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm a bim bam at at the right time. Yeah. 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 Um, um, how do you feel about the decision we made to kind of stop being a retro show and expand to uh, expand to contemporary stuff? I, I was very, really, it makes me, I'm not a metrics, uh, guy, mm-hmm. but it does make me curious as to whether like that has hurt or helped us more, you know, because we do get people griping about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, who are just, uh, just retro people. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I like it in terms of our end. And I think that one of the innovations of the network is that we realize that like, it's very important to make things sustainable for us or we won't do it. Like yeah. I think that lack of joy would come through, mm-hmm. uh, in the shows. So typically the direction has gone based on us following what we would like want to do by the logic that we'll have more fun doing what we want to do. Yeah. In that respect, it's been a complete success. Yes. Um, in terms of like having less of a niche or in terms of alienating some listeners, um, I do not know. Yeah. I mean, there's the, that there was not an appreciable dip, um, around all of those. And in fact, a lot of our most popular episodes are like big tent poles that have come out, um, you know, relatively recently compared to when the, uh, um, when the episode came. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and just the people who are upset about it are just louder. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, probably. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is fine. Which just t- tends to be like people who are upset all the time. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just the way, the way that it works, but yeah, really kind of like realizing, yeah. you know, just it, that, that was, a, that was a pretty big step because it changes the story of how you, of how you talk about the game, uh, or mm-hmm. how, how you talk about the show. 
right now now i talk about the game um explicitly it doesn't um kind of like getting confident with that decision and thinking no like our approach is the is the thing that we hope will bring people in and keep them here as opposed to any gimmick because you know and i like talking just about retro games like that is not necessarily a gimmick in and of itself but what it does create is room for people to gerrymander you know yeah. <laughs> you say like why are you covering this that is an x y or z i just remember uh you know like one of the first years we uh, were at prge uh we had like super mario or mario kart it was you know one of those here and we said oh we're a retro game podcast and the the person just kind of this crusty uh kind of, you know kind of a gray beard kind of guy was like uh came out after donkey kong how retro can it be <laughs> well there, there's also the do you remember the kid who did that oh there was like a like an 11 year old kid or something who came up and explained it yeah to us what retro was yep i remember and that. it was just it was very surreal yeah. <laughs> like um the uh yeah and and i think that in general getting away from those kind of definitions um we were never that far into it but i think one of the arcs of the show was getting further away from th- that kind of like some of that self-selecting culture stuff Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm into that. Yeah. Like I I don't really care what a retro game is. You know, it it doesn't I don't think it matters that much. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. So what do you uh is there something that you can see uh changing with the the format of the show or the network that we don't do now? Uh even if you're not necessarily endorsing it or wanting to do it now, is there something that you can imagine? I mean, other than just like, I don't know if a new platform or something comes along that it'd be fun to do things with, you know, I don't have any, I don't have any desire to move away from audio. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, like I do minimal video stuff and the, like the, 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 the streams are good, but that's a different thing. Um, you know, and as far as like covering different things or covering them differently, I, I don't know. I like our approach and I don't know that I would want to, you know, kind of vary it that much, you know, maybe alter the mixture a little bit, like maybe, you know, do more of like the special, you know, kind of deep dive episodes again, like the Atari or Tetris kind of thing, because those are really fun to do, if not, uh, you know, it, if also a lot of work. But yeah, like I, you know, call it a lack of imagination if you want, but I'm pretty happy with the way, like with the format, the format stuff that we've arrived at for right now. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't uh I don't know what we would what we would change. Um like in in my dream world, mm-hmm. you know, again, this is no no moving towards this. But I think that like network kept growing. It never ended up making sense to actually like I thought about before the duck feed compound. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh mostly for cult reasons. <laughs> of you know, course. Calling it a compound. Yeah. But the idea of uh, at some point, like being in the same place, yeah, because it would allow us to do things, um, you know, like Giant Bomb does, like fun bro out streams, yeah, um, or allow us to cover more tabletop stuff, mm-hmm. you know, either ancillary or on the main show, yeah, like a whole section of games that we we don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a fun idea to me. It is, yeah. And every once in a while, when I'm walking by and I see like a building for sale, like a cool <laughs> building, I'm like, that would that would be neat. Yeah. You know, that'd be a cool way to lose a lot of money. Oh my gosh. Like just to, just to go bankrupt immediately. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, in terms of businesses that I want to run at a loss, the one I'm running now is up there. Yeah. You know? Just run it run into the ground. The uh the, um, the, 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 the the most intensely I ever had I ever felt that feeling was in my old uh, neighborhood in Cincinnati, uh, before I moved up here to where I'm living now. Uh there was a uh this this old style funeral home that uh, mm-hmm. that, that went up for sale. I was like, shit, if we, if we got a, if we bought a funeral home and turn that into, turn that into studio space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great. Like the, we'd have a, we'd have an embalming basement. <laughs> we would. What would we do in that basement? <sighs> we, we might have a, uh, a, 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 in like a crematorium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we could burn evidence, Cole. We could. I mean, it'd be yeah. damn near incumbent on us to do that. Yeah. Yeah, all, all all the various Derricks and and hybrids we made for object suffering, we mm-hmm. all have a way to get to hell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, yeah. Their, their spirits are wandering, tormented, bound to the place, bound to their yeah. place of their strongest regret. <laughs> or they're still alive and they're just kind of stuck in like an attic stooge. Like if we could burn them, <laughs> you know, we had some way to get rid of the bodies. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Having having that kind of thing, we each have like our own office, and then there's like a lounge, mm-hmm. you know, like TV and streaming set up. Real easy. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I've thought about, uh, and I've talked about this a little bit, and there's no, you know, no plans. Like none of the, this stuff is just fucking yeah. around. So don't, uh, you know, don't worry about that. Um, but I've thought about before, like if we ever get to the point where it makes a lot of sense to grow mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like staffing, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, I think that we're we're not there yet. Like I, you know, right now we don't have enough extra stuff to justify it, and the financial hit would be tough mm-hmm. uh at least while i'm you know living in portland uh but it would be cool to uh, at some point have like a third person who has who is kind of like administrative and stuff yeah yeah who, who does a lot of the the back end stuff and then does community management and things like that yeah like i have fantasized about hiring somebody for that yeah definitely fantasize yeah. about having a little bit more headroom to focus on the on the deep work of making the shows yeah like, yeah. imagine if you, you didn't have, to, I mean, I understand that like, you know, there's a joy to a lot of that work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for both of us to a degree, yeah. um, but not having to do that all and just being able to focus on being present yeah, and stuff. Uh, I think that would make for better content. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So maybe someday, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'd want, I'd want more money for it because it's not just like splitting, you know, uh, the, the, the money, like hiring somebody. It's a, a whole thing. It's a, yeah, it's a whole. The, there's the, there's a lot more to that. <laughs> the government wants do. in on that shit. Yeah. You know, uh, like if we were just like slipping somebody some money, that's one thing. <laughs> yeah. But flash forward to a courtroom where this audio is being played. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. If we were to slip. You know. I, I swear I read books about this. <laughs> the uh, Cole was wearing this hat. He would not take it off. Um on Twitter in the background, someone just told me that there's a movie called The CIA Ape. <laughs> and it's about a CIA agent that's a monkey. <laughs> Yay! Is he a CIA agent Coming who turns soon. into a monkey, or is it a monkey who turns into a CIA agent? I think it's a monkey who turns into a CIA agent. Ooh. Uh, coming coming soon, a secret agent who does not work for peanuts. <laughs> ape, special agent, <laughs> is what his name thing says. Huh. There's a trailer for The CIA Ape as well. Huh. Uh, holy shit. I'm... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of wrapped around the axle on the CIA. <laughs> I, I take back all my answers. Uh, I think training apes to join one of the more oppressive government institutions. Yeah. Would be the, the direction I want to take the network in. <laughs> so. Oh man. Um, 
coolest thing uh, aside from the fact mm-hmm. that you, you you make you make your living doing this crazy peter mm-hmm. pan job yeah creating a uh, cia ape creating <laughs> um <laughs> the uh so yeah so th- those are all kind of some thoughts we have about the future and past mm-hmm. uh specific questions are welcome if we didn't get to yours uh obviously big thank you yeah you know mm-hmm. big thanks everybody yeah thank you no, i mean thank and, and thank, thank thank you gary thanks for thanks for answering, yeah. that, answering that email <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah good good stuff yeah so and uh, thanks thank everybody because like the, the 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 coolest things the cia is isn't the isn't the coolest thing but I, I was i was leading into like the honestly the coolest thing is just kind of like having met all the people that we met and worked with and hung out with and then doing the doing the charity streams and stuff like that like that's all that's yeah. all cool and rewarding and gratifying wouldn't trade me, any me and of Jeremy it. text every day. Yeah. Like I, that was one of my best friends. I met him through this yep. thing. And then Will, who I met not through the network, I now get to talk to and build this entirely like bonkers little side world universe. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that yeah. is created weirdly enough. Like that is the show. One of our least listened to show that has created the most like fan content and fan art. Oh yeah. You know, there are videos <laughs> and games and like all kinds of shit. Uh, with guppy so like yeah. that has really brought the weirdos out in a good way <laughs> love it yeah yeah uh, uh, so thanks everybody yeah so here's to 10 more years and no more yeah and then then we we both uh you know, ritually <laughs> do something yep i just walk into the woods don't come back out yeah or yeah. into the ocean mm, yeah you know could you go into the ocean yeah why not i know how jellyfish work now <laughs> I can tell you whether they're pregnant or whether they just ate. Yeah, I can I can use their secrets as leverage. Yeah. <laughs> insinuate myself into their society. Yeah. Yeah. Deep cover. Deep, <laughs> deep cover. In uh in Outer Wilds, it was wrong that you went under the bell of the jellyfish mm. to get another thing, because that's where all the action is. That's where you get killed. Uh, I mean that, that was actually the safe part. That that that's where the uh, I mean that like the where the tentacles are? Yeah, is, uh, yeah okay. Well, yeah, because because it's like not even like the tentacles that it gets you. It's like the 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 spines on the inside of the bell, right? There's little little tentacles on the sides of the bell. Mm. I get you. Little cilia, but they are they're called tentacles. But then the the things that are uh, the longer things are called aural arms. Mm. Um, yeah, and those things are relatively harmless, even though they will grab onto you. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's scary. Well, yeah. Uh, let's read uh, some some responses. Let's do. Uh, uh, starting with Katana Zero, a mm-hmm. game I cannot believe we, we covered this month, but we did. It uh, feels like a million years ago. It does, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bert writes via contact saying, uh, I very much enjoyed Katana Zero and was more compelled by the story than the gameplay, which seems to be the opposite of how you guys felt. Uh, the gameplay was cool, but frustrating at times during the harder stages. The only Hotline Miami that I played was number two, and it bounced off of it very quickly. I was surprised that you found the Hotline Miami games to be superior. I was a little, little disappointed in the response to this game, as it felt like a lot of crit- criticism for a game you both seemed to score pretty favorably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't remember scoring it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's funny how... Uh, what what our intent is when we're saying our words about a game does not often match what people will take from it. Yeah. Uh, so people will be like, oh man, I can't believe you completely blasted this thing. Like you hated it. And then I'll be like, no, no, I just thought there were things I didn't like about it, but like yeah. there's lots of good things about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then vice versa will happen as well. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's very surprised. Like there, there are some things where it's like, nobody's, 
unsure of what we, you know, like nobody's walking away from our Ashen coverage and wondering how we feel about Ashen. Right. But games coverage, like traditionally, uh, not, you know, there are plenty of people not doing this now, but traditionally has been so like all or nothing. Yeah. Uh, that I think that sometimes it's hard for a mixed review to come across. Yeah. You know? Um, and that, that's something that uh, we were talking about people who are, uh, when we were talking in the last segment, we we're talking about the discussion section, like some people literally go to, and I'm not saying Bert's doing this at all, um, but some people literally go to this kind of thing for like a cheerleading section. Yeah. You know, like they, yeah. they're just like, what if we just, I just want to hear this. I love this thing. Mm-hmm. I want to hear people talk about how awesome it is. Yeah. You know, and if you look at YouTube, which there are more YouTube uh, shows that do basically what we do than podcasts mm-hmm. um, at this point. A lot of them are that. Yeah. You know, like a uh, friend of Bonfireside Chat, uh, uh, Dave Control Live, who does uh, videos that are just like the super show things, which are just huge tributes. Like it's just a big love fest to games that he loves. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it is a game by game, you know, uh, take on it and stuff. It's not that dissimilar yeah. to what we do. It's just it's a love fest, and that's not what what we're doing. Yeah, and like that's a that's a format thing. Uh, like because because there is a legacy of the the, the enthusiast press. The idea mm-hmm. is that you know why would you cover something if you weren't enthusiastic about it, right? Uh, just like the, the 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 constant refrain. Why did you send somebody who does you know who is not crazy about X, Y, or Z to review this? Why did you send somebody who didn't love every Marvel movie to review a Marvel movie? Why would you Why yeah. would you send somebody who who hasn't like aced every Dark Souls game, you know, to review the new Dark Souls, right? I, I, like somebody who just kind of wanders in and, and sees the big list of games we cover may think like, Oh, they chose to cover these things because they like them. Um, yeah. and, and, that, and that's no, yeah, yeah, not the case. And it, it also runs into the other thing that happens whenever we do a game where the sequel fixes the problems. Yes. You know, like we have to say, like, we're not, the idea is not to do the best version mm-hmm. of a thing because we are not coming at this with, you know, uh, there are plenty of people who do do games coverage with the idea of championing things, and that's mm-hmm. not what we do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, um, Jimmy says via contact, uh, like you both, I was disappointed by Katana Zero after having really enjoyed Hotline Miami, especially since Katana Zero came out for the Switch a year before the Hotline Miami collection. The game itself seemed like a worse put together version of Wildfire. While the story scenes in the apartment really don't work for me, they did remind me of scenes from a 2019 Oscar nominated animated short titled Weekends, a much more successful story about a boy spending weekends with his divorced father. It's a positive tale and lovingly am- uh, animated by uh, Trevor Jimenez uh, and can be rented and has far less unnecessary swearing um if this is i think i've seen this if this is what i think it is and it's awesome oh um but i did not think feel like it was that positive i felt like it was kind of scary oh so it makes me wonder whether i uh, i'm thinking of the same one i need to kind of look <laughs> it up here in the background yeah uh, um, I, yeah I, weekends i just saw that that is that's great uh hmm. i did not feel like it was super positive i thought it was super cool though hmm. so recommended yeah, I I didn't read the uh, I didn't read Zero's uh, interactions with the girl as uh, as divorced dad, but yeah, it's it's big divorced dad kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I guess I'll, I'll have to learn. Oh, I'm babysitting. Yeah, yeah. I I'll, learn how to make food. All I've got fish is paste. fish paste. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Demi Cole 
uh, rights via contract. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that's exactly one half or one fourth of a coal, depending on what strength. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, yeah, it is a, a demi uh, C O L. So I, yeah. I I I don't know how to say it better than the way they, the way that I, I said it. Make a dummy joke. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you covered this game, even if, even if you didn't like it as much as I hoped. Uh, I am probably the person this game was made for, as I have 50, 55 hours of playtime on it, getting every achievement, and I even started to speedrun the game. My best time is 25 minutes. Wow. Mm. Um, some extra things right. that you didn't mention. Uh, there are unlockable weapons that all play slightly differently. Uh, there's a very big sword that is slow, but bypasses shield. There's a dagger with shorter reach, but also uh, lower cooldown on swings. Uh, and three variants of the regular sword uh, that either just make all blood rainbow colors uh, instead, or that shoot out the master sword beams or fire. Uh, the speedrun yes. mode uh, uh, menu also lets you play on hard mode. Uh, which, if you thought the normal game was hard, it took me five hours and 1,600 deaths to complete, uh, even after playing the game for 40-plus hours. This also introduces a new variant of the Skinny Ricky enemy uh, that is faster and has an attack that ignores the iframes on your dodge roll, along Ooh. with uh, just more difficult enemy placement in general. Finally, as someone who has essentially, quote, mastered the game, fuck the dragon level. Yeah, fuck the dragon level. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I think like I knew a little bit about those unlocks mm -hmm. uh, in there. I just knew that like even games I really love, like it's I'm generally not going to be a completionist for. Yeah. So this is very useful. Like part of the reason why we like doing the feedback episodes is to ad uh, you know amend. Yes. Episodes. Yeah. Uh, some of those sound so fun. Like the uh, the the big one that gets past shields sounds actually useful. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know. Uh, and I'm always a ha I'm always happy with like a non cosmetic change. Yeah. You know? uh, Evil Taco says via contact. The dialogue system of Katana Zero was a delight to me. I could match the dialogue faster, and it would actually make the story more comical. It seems like me wanting to skip the chit chat and get to the gameplay had some tangible consequences how the storytelling would play out. I always cu always cut the shrink out, which sounds like it made the dynamic between the characters quite different. Shut up and give me the drug. I'll burn the dossier before reading. I'll kill the DJ before listening, not because I was told to, but just because it's faster. I would slow down when the neighbor girl was introduced to the story. I didn't really want to slow down, but hey, I don't want a child to get hurt. This actually gave my character a little bit of a development arc. I started to gradually pay a bit more attention to the dialogue otherwise otherwise as well. Because I was less exposed to the plot at the start, I believe this resulted in the story having a stronger curve for me. There was a bigger sense of opening up than playing it straight would have, because I had skipped a lot of the earlier exposition and clues. Even though I didn't much care for the story as such, I was still impressed by the way my impatience affected how it was told. I was okay with the open-ended conclusion of the game. Its revelations and etc. Uh, felt like a good point to stop for now. I'll probably be back for the sequels for the excellent gameplay, and hopefully I can still interpret, uh, interrupt everyone when they try to talk to me. Thank you for the show. I've been playing along this month, and it's been great fun. Best regards from uh, Yulu? Ulu? Uh, Finland. Yeah, I, 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 I could not begin to tell you. O-U-L-U. Yes. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah, the, I, I always like when people uh, tell us where they're writing from, especially when it is someplace yeah. far away like Finland. Go Finland. Yeah. Go fighting Finlands. Uh, yeah, fighting Finland. <laughs> Fish game. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, dialogue system's cool. Uh, and I like the natural curve where your relationship with the girl kind of mirrored the, 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 the samurai's relationship with the girl. 
It's kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to start paying attention to you because you're saying you're, uh, you, you are ingratiating yourself to me. Yeah. 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 I, I, I could see it working better that way. Like partly by virtue of the show, but also the way I, I like, even if I don't like dialogue, mm-hmm. I don't skip it because I don't know that I don't like it until I have already read it. And you don't know there's going to be like useful stuff. Like, you know, they're going to say, exactly. and make sure you, you know, check the third red door. Yeah, exactly. So like whenever anyone, whatever I'm like, this game has too slow of an intro or too much dialogue and people are like, Oh, you can skip it. <laughs> it doesn't really answer the criticism yeah. to me uh, because I don't know that I can skip it until that person told me that. And by then I've already played it. So like when people are like, Oh man, you know, they, they changed Okami so you can skip the intro cutscenes. Mm. And I'm like, that's good. But I only know that you can do that after I've already struggled through that garbage in Okami, like the five minutes of just, absolute nonsense you know that you go through like it doesn't it doesn't feel as good i don't know that i don't need it so skipping the dialogue as a system is a cool idea that i think is really hard to get across yeah uh for me (laughs) um especially in uh the way that uh katana zero does it where you actually have to wait for a meter to not skip it yeah so not only do I not know whether the thing someone's telling me is going to be important, I don't know whether the thing my options to respond are going to be significant, and I have to wait for them to appear. So the fact that it was so talky ended up being pretty detrimental to me, despite the novel dialogue system. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, moving on to Sonic 2 responses, Stuart says, uh, Sonic 2 is the first game that I remember playing where I got a sense of a huge implied world with a deep and involved involving lore. Uh, there was something about the mix of ancient, modern, and fut- futuristic locales that made my young imagination run wild. That feeling kept me on the Sonic bandwagon well into the 3D games uh, because they had a lot of that same stuff. It was a difficult thing to pursue and clearly couldn't last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that, that's grown up. <laughs> yeah. I uh the, 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 that sense was more strong for me in Sonic 3 and Knuckles because it was kind of you know the more cohesive uh with the island it was like okay I start out you know on the edge here in this mushroom forest and now I'm like through these ruins and then I'm down into the caves and uh things like that and I'm in the volcanic heart of it uh but yeah uh just those those nice little accidental stories that come about uh from just juxta- juxtaposition of areas Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and also being a being a kid with uh with with a much uh, more more broad imagination yeah yeah it's, it's the time for filling in blanks yep uh tara says via contact if you asked me a few years ago if sonic was good i'd say sure the old games but after playing sonic mania a couple years ago and revisiting sonic 2 alongside waff i think i'm leaning towards the series never having been all that good the frequent momentum-killing obstacles and Sonic's weird physics while moving slowly, combined with the unforgiving limited continues, made Sonic 2 a chore to play. The final boss stage was particularly a low point for me. I think the best way to experience Sonic 2 might be the way that I did as a kid, playing the first few levels a couple times a year at my cousin's place who had a Genesis. Shout out to Genesis cousins. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, th- I don't know how I would have felt about this Sonic 2 revisit without save states. Yeah. Um, I definitely felt increased friction and all of those things about that dichotomy of whether Sonic, you know, how it uses obstacles and why. Mm-hmm. I still think it's deeply weird. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate it, but it's because I'm deciding to go at it in an easy mode, I think. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so I ended up liking it even aside from nostalgia, but it's because I cheated. Yeah. And I mean, that can apply to a good number of games made before like 1998 that we cover. 100%. Yeah. Like I will always use save states if they're available. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I, you know, life is short. It is. Someday we'll do a Ninja Gaiden episode. And if you think I'm going through Ninja Gaiden without save states, you're out of your fucking mind. Nope. Um, yeah big no uh doug says via contact first congratulations on a decade of waff uh i don't know what i did to earn the uh friend of the show status but i'm very glad to be one uh you've always been incredibly generous with your time and it's been my privilege to listen support and get to know you both over the years uh this is doug's been a a guest on the show um longtime Mm -hmm. supporter um and just generally a great member of the community fun guy yeah thanks yeah thank you um on to sonic 2 I confess I was an SNES kid and never uh, never beat a 2D Sonic game. In revisiting it, I've been trying to understand why I found it so daunting. The answer came uh, as I recently started playing Psychonauts 2. Psychonauts 2's platforming is, I am pleased to report, vastly improved over the notorious original, uh, yet it somehow uh, feels like Psychonauts. While Raz's controls are tighter and improved, the real secret is that the levels are now better designed around his moveset. Contrast that with Sonic. The developers can't know when you might lose your momentum, so the levels have to be navigable by Sonic at high and low speeds at all times. While the game appears to sing at high speeds, all you're really doing is holding right and praying, <laughs> uh, like driving a Ferrari full throttle in pea soup fog. That, do you think God has a filter set up for prayers around Sonic? I think, yeah, I think he's got a, he's got a, uh, there's a, there's a macro. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, if you send a prayer to God and it has Sonic anywhere in the subject line, Mm -hmm. like you're getting, you're getting blocked. Yeah. No, just it's, it's immediately forwarded to to Satan. Yeah. (laughs) Or to Jesus, the intern. Uh, so, um, at slow speeds, Sonic's jumping and movement is slippery and weird. It's so imprecise that it feels like Tails' ability to, to helicopter you past obstacles feels like the designer saying, we know, we're sorry. Sonic has thus always seemed like a speed me- uh, speed mechanic in search of a game. I can't say, uh, say I'm capable of designing levels that much uh, that better match uh, the way Sonic moves, but I don't know that I've seen Sega pull it off in 2D either. Yeah, I, I, I largely agree, even though I think that the thing that I came upon in the episode that I think is that they make sense because they're expecting you to play them over and over and memorize them. Yeah. Like if you, you know, the developers can't know when you'll lose speed, but you can choose when you lose speed. Yeah. If you play the level enough times. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how I want to play games, uh, even really then, but definitely not now. But I think that is what they're going for. Like, I, I also agree it's kind of a weird evolutionary dead end, mm-hmm. which we talked about, but I think that's what the idea was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Singularity, Abe says via contact, I was just listening to the Singularity episode. I had to pause to let you know that you missed a golden opportunity to quote Milhouse when you mentioned Demichev insisting on being carried. I can't go on. You two go ahead and carry me with you. <laughs> uh, I, like I, is that the episode we're on the island uh, i think it might, be, it might be a lemon of troy uh, no i think it's das no. bus oh it is das bus isn't it yeah, yeah. like the weird shitty millhouse in that episode <laughs> like the first appearance of jerk ass millhouse uh-huh. <laughs> like 
It does have one of my favorite jokes, which is Nelson uh, taking Milhouse's glasses to start a fire. You think he's going to focus the sun, but he just starts striking a rock against them. (laughs) It's real good. It's also what gave us I'm so hungry I can eat at Arby's. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it tastes like burning. Yeah. Yeah. Good good episode, Dust Bus. (laughs) Really, uh, really weird one. Uh Uh-huh. Watching it on revisit, but well, I mean the 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 ending. Yeah, let's just say they're saved by Mo. (laughs) It's when they started leaning into that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) They started like dock hammering the end of their episodes. They did. (laughs) Well then. Oh God! Uh, But thank you for letting us know about the missed opportunity. We will try not to let it happen again. Yeah, we'll edit it back in, (laughs) along with a bunch of references to uh, Buff Boys. Yes. Uh, Carlo writes via contact, This was a game that I played almost 10 years ago, and I never thought I would get someone to talk about it. Uh, It's a great B-tier shooter, but the only problem I had with it was the ending. When you go back in time to kill yourself, I had the idea to shoot the doctor instead, because it seems like that would work as well. The game makers seem to have thought of that, though, because if you do, the screen goes white and you just have to try again to shoot yourself. Uh, What do you think about when the makers of a game leave out such an obvious path just because they want you to go their way? Uh, Why do they even acknowledge the option if they aren't going to do anything with it? Thanks. Love the show. Uh, The ending of Fallout 3. I'd like to have a word. Yeah, I was about to. I mean, I was going to bring that up as the most infamous example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it sucks when that happens for singularity. I didn't mind it because it's like, again, it's a B game. Yeah. I wasn't expecting them to account for everything. It was more disappointing in fallout three because it was a huge game where like possibility was supposed to matter. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot more than this, like linear narrative. Yeah. You know, uh, and just, I forget the name of the character, but when they say, when they literally say, no, you're the chosen one who must do this, this Fox. must be your journey. Yeah. Fox. Uh, or any other people, you have multiple companions that are uh, <laughs> immune to radiation. Yeah, which is Fox in particular. Maybe it's just because I brought her, but uh, it's because it's because she's a good guy. Well, yeah, you know. So if you bring the the ghoul, uh, you know, he could he could refuse because he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Fox wouldn't refuse. No, you know what a shitty character. <laughs> All the <laughs> shitty characters in that game. Yeah, <laughs> so horrible. Every one of those companions fucking blows. Yeah. What are they doing? Oh gosh! See, I, I, I singularity is so slight that like just thinking about the ending of singularity just made me mad at Fallout Three. <laughs> it's like, like it's, 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 it's hard to like I can't hold it. I can't hold its sins against it. I have to hold its sins against something else. Yeah, it's too baby. <laughs> you know, it's like putting on a suit of armor and taking charging in a hot fudge Sunday. Like singularity is not going to hurt us. Yeah, uh, we're not the Blues Brothers, Marty. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, Ryan says via contact I think this game is a B plus game that does a lot right but falls just short of being an A I love the time manipulation device the seeker is a fun idea that you only get a few chances to really use the minigun feels great and the rest of the guns are solid some of the puzzles get one note towards the end and you can tell that they didn't uh, get to ship a fully realized game but what they were able to make is 7 to 8 hours of fun every time I play it thanks for doing the game I hope you guys at least didn't hate it we both liked it. Yeah. That's largely how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And uh, your, your thoughts about this being a B plus uh, rather, rather, rather than an A. Yeah. I, I think the way that I described it was I, like, I wish I could give this like the shiniest possible B instead of a B plus, you know? Yeah. 
It's just uh, yeah. and to go back to any number of times where he talked about like the the the, the need for a middle for uh, for for a middle lane uh, in games. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now uh, to Darkest Dungeon, uh, which got mm-hmm. a lot of responses uh, as our premium episode for that uh, for this month. Random Sum writes in via contact saying, I thought I was done with RPGs, with new RPGs, where a line of heroes punches and stabs a line of monsters. Darkest Dungeon found a fantastic solution with how it integrates position and battle tactics. Uh, it makes me realize that even a genre, uh, 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 even if a genre can seem dead for me, you never know what tweak can revive things. Then again, it took how many years between Final Fantasy Tactics and Divinity Original Sin 2? Yeah, it takes a long time for people to solve these problems because a lot of people don't think of them as problems. Yeah. You know, the the little chubby guys line up next to each other and punch each other is something that people pine for. Mm-hmm. And Square makes, you know, con- conservatively 10 retro RPGs on the iPhone a year. Yeah. That are just that, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it's a, it's just the, the people who, who see it as a problem to be solved are, are the people who are going to push it forward, I think. Yeah. Uh, Sam says via contact. I'm trying to get into Darkest Dungeon unsuccessfully since it was an early access game on Steam. However, last week I decided to get it on Switch and try it as a mash buttons while watching YouTube before bed kind of game. (laughs) In the last year or so, something in me has just completely broken. So instead of getting stressed by a bunch of bullshit happening to my Darkest Dungeoneers, I take entertainment value out of jamming my bad performers in a shit team and making them work without enough resources. Then either getting them killed or firing them. Happy to say I'm slowly becoming more of a Gary gamer and this network is to blame. (laughs) welcome I, what's it mean to be a gary gamer i don't get it huh? well i i i'm not necessarily i think uh just liking games that gary likes oh okay because uh, i and, and liking being stressed out maybe yeah uh by consequences in games <laughs> welcome to the gary game yeah no this did make me pick up the switch version of uh of um oh gosh this war of mine because you yeah. you, you mentioning it reminded me that that is exactly my kind of stress yeah I I, all, I picked that up on uh, Switch last winter and played. Yeah, we and we need to cover that on this show. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Like that's a good game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I would say I think the Switch port of that is equally obtuse in terms of how it controls. Yeah, like it's... Darkest Dungeon gets a lot of shit for how the Switch port controls, but the this War of Mind control scheme is really rough. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's more of a mouse and keyboard kind of game. I'm a yeah. I, I'm I'm more like getting used to it on Switch just because you can play Switch games wherever yeah. um, you can play them on the go by which i mean as yeah. immobile as yeah. i've ever been yeah. Contraction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah on the go with a series of neck braces on <laughs> <laughs> to, to fool workman's comp um yeah. uh let's see uh, is this uh it's not sam it's, it's jimmy you. Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy writes via content. First off, uh, I just want to say thanks to Gary, whose Darkest Dungeon Let's Play is how I discovered this incredible game. I wanted to write in to say that I'm flabbergasted that there aren't more Darkest Dungeon-alike games out there. My personal dream uh, would be an X-Men-themed Darkest Dungeon game set in the Days of Future Past storyline. The system of abilities uh, and attacks seems uh, well-suited to that. Also, if you aren't aware, uh, or in case you aren't aware, I uh, just wanted to draw your attention to the Darkest Dungeon board game, uh, which looks incredible. Uh, yeah, I am a, an early backer of that. I'm getting the huge big box mm. uh, for that. I'm very excited about it. And I would also love a Darkest Dungeon X-Men game, even though I'm very happy that Firaxis is making that X-Men Tactics deck builder. Oh, yeah. 
uh, not X-Men specifically, uh, Midnight Sun, so Marvel and some X-Men. Mm-hmm. But, and uh, Insomniac is making a Wolverine game. Mm-hmm. Fucking bestill my heart. Yeah. Like the Spider-Man team doing a Wolverine, like going around sniffing out shit. And I mean, and them saying like, yeah, we're, we're not going to try to make this family friendly. Like we're going to make this Wolverine yeah. story. Jesus Christ. I, I am so excited for it. Like I love uh, those games. Mm-hmm. Like they, I don't think anything goes down smoother for me. Than the, than like, than the Insomniac Spider-Man or. Yeah. Okay. Like, and then did, you know, did my Miles Morales and it was like one of the easiest chugs I've ever done mm-hmm. in games, like just pure joy. Yeah. Uh, so them, them taking a character that I care about more. Very exciting for me in terms of AAA nonsense. Yeah, yeah. both of those. I, I I saw I saw the uh, the the Midnight Sun uh, for Axis thing, and like people were groaning like, "Oh, nothing is safe for Marvel, etc." And I, shut I, up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me have this. Yeah, no, no. I I saw that, and I was like, I can understand the sentiment, but I know at least at least one person who is extremely happy. <laughs> so. what, what, what do you mean nothing is safe from it like there's like a, there's like four xcom games with expansions and stuff this is the only time they've done a non-xcom yeah. variant of it mm-hmm. you know yeah no. um these are the same thing people were talking about how the mcu isn't horny enough and i was like it's because it's for me <laughs> <laughs> let me have this can there be one fucking universe in which the characters don't constantly want to fuck mm-hmm. like and it's for me yeah let me have this. Let me have this, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I know that no one's taking anything away from me. Right. By complaining about the MCU. I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm very, hey, you know, I'll, I'll cry all the way to the bank. I'm getting my X-Men tactics game mm-hmm. uh, and I get non-horny movies about superheroes. So there you go. I'll take um, Lepers say via contact uh, from the offices of Leper, Leper, Leper and Associates. We understand that Mr. Ross and Mr. Butterfield had less than kind things to say about the leper in the Darkest Dungeon episode. We understand that you live in the real world where people can have different opinions about a game, but the group of gamer Americans we represent will not abide the slander statements made about the leper. The abomination is like the leper, absurd and legally actionable on the court of the internet. Our clients have a case and are willing to prosecute it over these minor differences of opinion. Although we have the option to sue for all the money, our clients will generously settle for a continued stream of adorable cat pictures posted to your Twitters forthwith. Uh, OOC, out of character, seriously a big fan of the show, uh, and Gary's live stream of the game despite its low use of quad lepers. Thanks, Ian. <laughs> yeah. Quad lepers can't do anything. Half <laughs> <laughs> your party can't. Like, I know people have done it, but the, they can't do anything from the back, really. Hey, but you, they, they, guess what? Somebody shuffles. They get shuffled. No matter what, you always have a leper in the front, in the front row ready to do their that, thing. That is true. Yeah, that is true. You always got a leper in the if the t- front two lepers can carry it. <laughs> you know? Oh uh, man, and I guess I guess what I'm saying is quadruples is safest. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was very fun. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jack writes. Uh, Jack is the uh, the person who uh, who uh, executive produced that episode. Uh, coming back to this game in 2020 with fresher eyes for crunchy systems, the multi-tiered management simulator that is Darkest Dungeon felt very different to me than it did in 2016. It was still easy to stumble, but also easier to make progress and understand how that progress could contribute to future weekly runs. Uh, combat as a puzzle with some RNG was easier to swallow. Stress and illness management became a humming engine. Character loss became a much more minor obstacle. 
I think Darkest Dungeon far more sharply reveals to people who play it what works in RPGs, management sims, and roguelites slash roguelikes writ large than almost any other game, uh, whether they love or hate this gameplay loop. This is truly an achievement to me. Uh, I am sure this will be plugged into the episode, but Gary's YouTube playthrough is spectacular and really uh, reveals so much of the crunchy underbellies uh, relative grok ability to those who might not grasp it at first. Thanks, gentlemen. And then he uh, includes something uh, off air here saying, Cole, I will do my best to counterbalance this Gary nip in 2022. Over my dead body. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, Jack, uh, have you not learned about the good news about Gary Gamers and how you can slowly become one? <laughs> they're, 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 they're taking the world by storm. I will infect you all with my malignant narcissism. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... That's, a, that's, my, that's my favorite flavor of, uh, of criticism that we get, where yeah. I, a 33-year-old man, am the innocent youth who is being like just somehow swayed by the influence of Gary. People are so condescending to you <laughs> yeah. about that shit it drives me i i don't know how you don't become the joker like every day like every like oh poor baby cole like, it's like cole can't stand up for himself like, jesus christ like, you know he's just a human man right yeah like yeah yeah it's yeah. just it's it's really it, i mean it used to bother me more but it's like wow that is really funny that you think that it's 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 real wild because it is a really it is a way to to uh, insult both of us at the same time uh-huh. while trying not to you know <laughs> some splash damage in there. Oh God! Um, thanks everybody for the kind words about the the YouTube thing. It's the last YouTube thing I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, video content and me don't always get along, but I did really love that. And the uh, the first half of it is running through the game, so I explain all the stuff. Second half of it is me exploring mods and checking out new characters, mm-hmm. and that is really fun stuff because there's a lot of really creative shit yeah. out there. So I, I recommend that uh, that YouTube yeah playthrough to people. Yeah, it's just on the oh. Duckfeed YouTube channel. No, uh, and I, I might do one for Darkest Dungeon 2. I might do one for the Black Reliquary, the uh, mod mm-hmm. for it. Um, I haven't decided yet. Just depends. So, uh, Graham uh, says via contact, Hey guys, I am so excited you're finally covering Darkest Dungeon, a game that seems so up the waff alley that I've scrolled through your old episodes on my podcaster uh, more than once to make sure you hadn't covered it earlier. Darkest Dungeon is probably my favorite game that I've never beaten. I love the visuals, the music, the storytelling, and even the combat for the most part. But due to the punishing difficulty, I've never been able to get through the final dungeon. There used to be an extremely optimal strategy of leaving two enemies alive and then staying them while you heal your lower uh, heal and lower your party's stress. At the time, enemy reinforcements would arrive uh, if you only left a single enemy. But as long as there were two, you could reliably stun one every turn, outpace the other one's damage with healing. This strategy, however cheesy, was what got me uh, to the final dungeon, but was patched out before I could finish it. I've started the game a couple more times since, but I don't tend to get very far. It's really a shame because there's so much to love about the game. Hopefully when the sequel comes out, I'll have the time and energy to complete it, or at least be quick enough to beat it before they patch out all the best exploits. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. Is, is it just, just the rush, the rush to, uh, to, to take advantage of any scenes they leave in. If it's mm-hmm. part of the game, it's part of the game. Yeah. 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 I, 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 uh, I love that shit. I, I, uh, I say about the memory. You did the luck. Oh, good. Cheat in Demon Souls remake. <laughs> Oh gosh! What was the luck cheat in Demon Souls remake? There's like a coin that increases your your luck stat in it, and there was a glitch that uh, it's a new item they added in the remake. And if you used it uh, and then went to the level up screen, your luck would just scale to maximum. Oh, uh, in the game, hmm. uh, and then you get these uh, sword that scales with luck, and you one shot everything in the game. 
Nice. Um, yeah. Huh. Like I, and they patched it out, which bums me out because like, I don't know if somebody wants to go through that work, let them. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, just honor it. Uh, cause you know, yeah. have it affect their matchmaking if you're worried about that, but also you kind of shouldn't be worried about that. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and finally here, Tom writes in via contact saying darkest dungeon is one of my favorite games and also least favorite. And both are because of the early access period. Uh, the game, even in its early stages, had a thriving mod community. Um, the folks that uh, the folks there were adding new features like difficulty sliders and rebalances. The thing is, every time Red Hook updated the game, it would get unstable. My end result was that I had to wait up for any uh, uh, for any modders to update. Uh, then we got new mechanics like heart attacks, the corpses, and protected status. Uh, how quickly the tide turns. To say that destroyed a lot of the early access player base was an understatement. Whole strategies and playstyles had to be abandoned. Um, the save files with them. I know that I just stopped up uh, stopped updating the game after that update uh, because the way I played was no longer viable. I didn't want to have to restart my whole run. But the thing is, Red Hook's will was tested and they became stalwart. They redeemed themselves by adding uh, what the game needed. Options. Uh, we could finally adjust the difficulty, turn some mechanics off, and be able to play the game the way that we wanted. Uh, they even added a support function for mods uh, so that we could implement changes in an easier fashion. Whenever someone uh, tries to get on their high horse about how Dark Souls or whatever is supposed to be hard and shouldn't have an easy mode, I just think about my love-hate-love relationship with Darkest Dungeon. Uh, and then I don't respond to the comment because no one wants to have that argument again on Twitter. You want the curated style the devs intended? Good. Click that ch checkbox. I'm over here in the no corpses baby zone having a great time saying ancestor quotes. Uh, yeah. Couldn't agree you, with you more. Yeah. Options, baby. You'll yeah, you'll never get, get an argument against uh, options from us. Nope. You know? Let me play the game the way I would like to play the game, please. I was, uh, we're, we're talking about Echo next week, which I beat uh, yesterday or the day before, day before yesterday. And I was thinking about how much, like, I don't think I would have appreciably got less out of it if I just toggled on like a infinite energy thing. Yeah. Like everything I got out of that game was world building and, and like some art decisions and shit mm -hmm. uh, that were really cool. Like the play, I, I was hitting the I get it button pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, with that, um, I would have loved to have just been able to like, flick a little thing yeah you know um it just wasn't an option nope. so um yeah, yeah. i just I, so, I i love i love when developers when developers listen you know uh, i've i've regrettably not played pathologic 2 yet but like one of the most heartening things was they released that game and it was you know what you would expect a pathologic 2 to be uh and mm -hmm. then you know enough people said like yeah this would be real neat but x y or z and instead of making a declarative decision they just they they, they made everything modular said here here you go craft it make it yourself yep. you know that's the best love it game devs take note yeah. there's currently a discourse going on with elden ring and when invasions can happen and i'm blissfully ignorant about it oh man it's great. I'm not having that discussion. Nope. So feels good. No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's announce. So uh, thanks everybody for writing in. Mm -hmm. Thanks everybody for listening for ten years, especially if you've been here the whole time. That's yeah. awesome. Um, next, if you have anything to say about next month's games, um, the deadline is October fifteenth, and those games are Echo, Silent Hill One, or Resident Evil Eight. Uh, hit us up at duckfeed.tv/contact. 
Yeah. Um, and if you have thoughts about November's games, uh, which are, and we're going to be announcing these here for the first time, uh, November's mm-hmm. games are going to be Left 4 Dead 1 and 2, uh, Stardew yep. Valley, and StarCraft Wings of Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we're both getting a vanity pick in that month. <laughs> yes, we uh, are. Even though uh, the the coal nip that came through was also a patron pick. Yes. Uh, yeah. There. Um, you know, when we, we obliquely said there, there'd be a table turning on uh, Darkest Dungeon, uh-huh. it's Stardew Valley. Oh, yeah, so, baby. <laughs> yep. Uh, um, diametrically opposed in almost every way, but still a very good game that I am ex- super excited to talk about. They both feature management. They do. Yeah. Yeah. You're managing <laughs> things in both of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited. We're going to do some kind of thing uh, for Left 4 Dead 1 yeah. and 2. Even if that's just, uh, uh, even if that's just kind of like uh, rehabbing the uh, uh, Steam WAF uh, community, that might be the best way mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, and we're just gonna, you know, we're gonna have to play it uh, multiplayer a bunch, and we'll, we'll, you know, have times around there. We'll have a little server mm-hmm. so people can play. We're not gonna organize anything huge. It's yeah. beyond the scope of this, and it's already kind of a spicy month. And yeah. then winter RPG is uh, super spicy. Yes. A little, little trailer there. Um, but we want to do something with mm-hmm. that. Um, I was on an episode of Retronauts talking about Left 4 Dead as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have different approaches. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Shout out to that. Um, and that episode was supposed to come out when Back 4 Blood was coming out, but then Back 4 Blood got delayed. It did. So, yeah. Uh, our episode's a little bit closer to it. Yeah. Um, Take yeah. that. So I'm excited. I'm excited about all this stuff. This is great. Yeah. So watch for announcements for how we're going to handle the uh, the Left 4 Dead 2 uh, kind of thing. There'll be like a like a landing page uh, for that that we'll uh, that we'll put yes. out there. And then uh, because a lot of people ask, uh, do you have plans to do the rest of StarCraft? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll do we'll do parts two and three. Yeah. Uh, either next year or the year after. Also, uh, we in no way endorse or support Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Um, you know, we did Singularity, which is also Activision related. We know those guys are monsters, uh, and it's super shitty. Um, Activision specifically, but Blizzard as well, is kind of like very big for us to blanket boycott mm-hmm. at this point. And I'm not buying anything for yeah. this. Like I already owned uh, StarCraft, and I assume you already did as well. Yes. Um, you know, we're not necessarily we we are not encouraging you to support them. We just want to talk about the 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 piece of art, not free of the the politics around it. Like we'll talk about it, and mm-hmm. it's you know, rest assured, uh, I am nauseated. Yeah, so um, it's, I uh, am, it's disgusting. I am hooting and hollering that the SEC is getting involved in subpoena, subpoenaing uh, Bobby Kotick, that uh, that that Trump donating monster. Yeah, yeah, absolute piece of shit, and I hope bad things happen to him. Yeah, lose everything. Um, I I also love StarCraft too. Yeah. It is the the modern, uh, you know, the, the contradiction of modern life. Yeah, you know. So, yep. uh, so um, uh, the the response deadline for all of those will be uh, November the fifteenth at duckfeedtv slash contact. As always, if you have thoughts about multiple games, please separate them into multiple responses. That makes things easier for us. Yeah, we would really appreciate it. Uh, until next time, you know, uh, you've already done so much for us. Yeah. So just a, just a big thank you. Yeah. Um, please enjoy yourself, um, especially if you're living in an area where fall is coming in. Uh, hell yeah, yes. fall. Mm. Yeah. Be be safe. I'm going to go to an apple orchard. Ah, oh, dang. This weekend. Nice. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're, uh, you know, if you haven't yet, get vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, get Thank your flu you. shot, too. I, I have a, I'm yeah. going to be getting my flu shot here soon. Yeah. yeah please do. Yeah. Um, just generally take care of yourself and be safe. Yeah. So, so we can see you next time.
Uh, and take care. Take care. Bye.